sometimes I'm a little scared or like, I'm afraid of like talking to people who are outside of my race because I don't know if I'm going to unintentionally step in it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, there's... Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that says more about you then. <laughs> yeah, it's something I'm always a little bit nervous of, you know, when you have a non-white in the room, you never know what's going to happen. If you, you slip up, you might say a naughty word or two, suddenly you're canceled. <laughs> of being pregnant for nine months and I've decided to end my healthy pregnancy, you know, right before I'm going to deliver. Right. Uh, no one's in favor of that. Okay, <laughs> no one. Literally no one. Um, I guess except... Are you about to say except for Lance? For Lance, because the problem... What? This is Tim Pool's example. What are you doing? <laughs> you bought right into his... Well, they said Tim Pool had successfully set up some traps. I guess some people got fooled by them. Holy <laughs> What? I was away for the weekend, but I got all your fucking ads. I saw it. I saw all the vitriol. I saw the anger. I saw the emails. I saw everyone adding me constantly, and now my inbox is flooded with people. Lance, 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 Lance. Did you see what Anna Kasparian did over the weekend? She went on the Sitch and Adam. Wait, it's the Sitch and Adam? I've always called Adam Sitch. It is the Sitch and Adam show. Oh, was that me? Like, unconsciously trying to cause drama between the two hosts? Adam, you can take this. Dog, now's your moment. Rise. Become the leader of the... Anyways, so she went on Sitch and Adam. I've been on Sitch and Adam a couple times. They label themselves as perfect centrists, milquetoast fence-sitters, in the exact center of the political spectrum, right around here. Not not, not here. Back here. Not, 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 not here. Back, not, 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 he, not here, but here. Perfectly centered, balanced, as all things should be. Yes. Where it's all unusual, because I've gone on there for three debates now. All three debates are kind of been me taking a position which uh yeah sure you could say it's leftist to stand up for trans rights for gay rights for civil rights it's leftist to stand up for uh the oppression of black people i guess uh sure but i was greeted with what i would feel was a more right-wing perspective from a i'm just asking questions kind of thing you know like psa sitch kind of does the whole well yeah but like hey if you're talking about gender identity lance then what's wrong with someone identifying as like a conservative and why do you then uh have bigotry towards them if they identify as MAGA or something like that. Okay, so um, you aren't born MAGA. You don't come out of the room with the, the red hat. The, the red hat is not pushed out of the vaginal canal alongside uh, the baby. Uh, so you, you could choose to be or not be MAGA uh, during the course of your life. Same thing with socialists. You're not born a socialist, you know. Uh, if someone's like, I hate socialists, I'd be like, ah, well, I feel oppressed. No, I, I would be like, most likely uh, you you despise parts of it that I'm going to assume you misunderstand or perhaps you just don't like aspects of socialism. But that's what you hate. I'm not going to take it personally as this is an attack on every single person who was born a socialist because that's a true thing. So that's been my experience with uh, with Adam Sitch. Uh, centrists who usually platform a lot of right wingers, a lot of far right 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 wingers too. Sargon of Akkad is uh, is known to go on that show and then call me the F slur and then disappear before I can confront him about anything. He doesn't want to doesn't want to have a conversation with me. Adam friended behind the scenes. If we're being totally transparent before I start this fucking dumpster fire, uh, seems nice as nice as someone can be from you know that that walk of life uh a little obsessed at times i i, I will say I, I don't understand why there's this constant need from a lot of you know right wingers to kind of be like oh lance you misunderstand us oh lance you, you don't really know where we're coming from did you know that i've actually done things on marxism and stuff like but you know they, they seem like as same thing i like people were like hey 
behind the scenes, Lance, was Tim Pool? Was he a fucking asshole to you? Did he call you a lot of names? Were they all fucking, were they weird and creepy and like fact? It's like, no, they were incredibly hospitable as I expected them to be. I didn't expect to, to walk in there and sit down and then be like, yeah, we want to eradicate trans people. No, I, I expected them to be very friendly and treat this whole thing like entertainment. And at times that irks me. There are times when, you know, the entertainment aspect of what we do, because we're entertainers. This is entertainment. I, this is content. Right now, I'm making content. This is not activism. I'm not doing a fucking activism right now. Uh, I am generating content by reacting uh, to the, this uh, spectacle, right? That, that's, that's what we're seeing here. Uh, but still, you know, you'll, you'll still see that, that element where every single one of them, they, they can just turn the cameras off and be like, oh, great show, bro. That was good. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I, you were... That's kind of a big heated debate we were having about the civil rights and the existence of other people in, in marginalized communities, right? But you, we just turn it off, all right? The camera goes off, the screens goes off, and we just go back to go back to our lives. Oh, we start with a kazoo intro. I never got a kazoo. Hey now, it's your boy PSA Sitch here with another Sunday Sunday show with everyone's favorite. Supreme Court enthusiast, Adam Frantic. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been reading up on the Supreme Court, Sitch. I'm learning so much about how <laughs> our country functions. It's amazing. And we have, look, a special guest with us here today, Anna Kasparian, co-host of The Young Turks. Harmonica, bro? Oh, sorry. Damn. Man, I, I'm, I'm not starting out good here. You know, I'm already fucking stumbling, factually incorrect. I just got fucking debate broed by my own chat, served up by my own chat. Look at that. You're right, Harmonica. I, I'm, I'm, I'm way out of base here. Fuck. Bad start. Do you, do you, you want to introduce yourself? I mean, I feel like everyone, our audience definitely knows who you are, but you're probably doing other things as well. At the moment, I'm not. I'm mostly uh, focusing on TYT, but yeah, I'm the executive producer and co-host of The Young Turks mm -hmm. and have been since 2007. And, um, you know, I've done other things on the side at various points uh, of my career, but for now, that's the main focus. Okay, so we're mm -hmm. very excited to have this conversation. We started talking a little bit before the show, and you seem open to talking about a lot of things. You seem to be going through kind of a political transformation, evolution. I don't really know the right word to call it, but I'll let you talk about that. But first of all, people want to know, because I, I did, you did mention in our little chat in DMs mm -hmm. that I was wrong about the Daily Wire thing. Now, I make <laughs> predictions on the show all the time, and I have never right. been wrong before. So uh, people, I, I've been making jokes about you may, might end up at the Daily Wire. That's not true? No, no, it's... <laughs> So it's funny because, you know, I'm going through something very real and very sincere and it's uncomfortable and it has not been an enjoyable process for me. It's been difficult. And so the Internet being what it is, all sorts of people from all sorts of political ideologies have theories on like what's actually happening with me. Right. And the main accusation, both from the left and the right, is that I'm, I'm grifting, which is <laughs> hilarious because literally nothing has changed about my work life. I'm in the mm -hmm. same place. I have the same audience. Um, the audience doesn't like some of what I have to say or some of the new conclusions I've, I've come to. And so I wanted to kind of set the record straight about what I have personally experienced. I don't know what my political labels are at this point, right? Because I feel like I don't really fit anywhere. And it's that's just full honesty. It's, again, very uncomfortable for me. And I want to say that out of any point in my adult life, this is probably the point where I'm the most malleable and open to new information because of what I've experienced over the last few years. And I can get into details about that um, in just a moment, but. What an intro, man, here we go. That was the reason why I told Adam that no, this isn't like a Daily Wire thing. I, I you know, have no interest in working at the Daily Wire. I have no interest in leaving TYT. If anything, I just feel a responsibility to kind of 
correct what I got wrong in the past uh, to the best of my ability and just do better moving forward. And the, the reason why I've been at TYT as long as I have is despite what any of you might think about Jank, he has never once tried to censor me or tell me what I can and can't say. That's the reason why, you know, we get into these fiery debates and there's never any like retaliation for it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, as long as I'm free to speak my mind and genuinely speak my mind the way I have been, uh, I plan on staying there. And there's absolutely no monetary or financial incentive for me to do anything I'm doing right now. Well, we, Sitch and I box a lot on this show. And I mm -hmm. think people, you know, I think they like that. I think they admire that, that we are able to fight with one another over a policy position and still walk away friends. So I spent the last week, I was watching a bunch of your most recent videos. And mm -hmm. I mean, you're snapping back at Jank quite <laughs> often. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's actually quite refreshing. There's a couple things, and I, we, we have questions on these. But uh, mm -hmm. I, I'll, I'll let Sitch, I don't know, do you have anything that you want to ask before we get well, started? So yeah, it turns out that Anna is a massive fan of our program. She's in every episode, just huge fan, right? Well, okay, so I happened to come across a video you guys did about me. It was the stream on, um, I hate to name names, but you guys were covering the leftist mafia and their insane uh. gaslighting video about me. And I, you guys were the only ones, as far as I could see, mm -hmm. that actually did a good job in highlighting how badly they were gaslighting me. Right. And so I thank you for doing that because you know, when everyone around you, everyone who alleges to be your friends, tells you something you know isn't true, but they keep repeating it to you over and over again, you start asking yourself, like, am I the crazy one? You know? <laughs> so that I really appreciated that. But you know, you guys have put out a ton of videos about me that have not been friendly or nice. And it's okay. I mean, I, I can be a good sport about it. And I do mm -hmm. think that you guys raised a few um, valid points. And I just need to be willing to accept where I was wrong. And hey, well, that's wild. Um, how are we gaslighting? That's so unfair. Like everyone, that episode's old now, right? You can go back and watch the entirety of it. But everyone on that panel was doing that thing that was coming from a place of love with baby gloves attached and just being like, I'm going to, I think every single one of us started our sentences with, I will always respect the things that tyt has pulled off especially in progressive spaces things like funding the justice democrats or funding other political movements actually bringing political change through uh funding action canvassing like that that's incredible it should be emulated it's a model for other people to try and aspire to anyone who's uh you know an entertainer in those spaces should should fucking be so lucky to accomplish those kind of things i think that was like that was the intro with, with every single one of us you know that doesn't mean that like because that's happened in the past every take you have is going to be correct and or there's not bad takes that any of us have that we need to learn from and I, I did an entire video on this where I'm like hey I'm just gonna just get in front of this I'm fucked up a lot of times especially as a cis person I gotta say as a sissy uh, we fuck up. Uh, I, I've, I've had to learn a lot. I, I've made transphobic jokes uh, that were clearly not appropriate. They were intercommunity jokes that I shouldn't have participated in as a cis person. Uh, I have made posts where uh, trans activists who come out and they've emailed me or DM me and been like, hey, by the way, Lance, I know you mean well, but this is actually kind of uh, regressive because of this. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, blah, blah, blah. That's not like I, I'm beholden to the trans agenda. That's me being like, because there are times when you get criticisms which even if they're in good faith, I will disagree with because I'll be like, well, yeah, but like the majority of people who are talking about this, especially from that marginalized community, they're specifically 
describing it this way. So I, I respect you uh, disagreeing with me, but I'm, I'm going to have to disagree, right? It's not like anything that any one trans activist does, we all have to lock and step NPC group thinking that immediately we're all just like in the same spot, right? Yes, no, we have the orders. Yes, the new rules have been put in place. Now that we have the new rules, we will obey. We will obey the trans agenda. No, it's, it's always like... It's always a bunch of uh, usually, uh, you know, friends, colleagues, trans people uh, I respect and vice versa uh, who will DM me in the kindest of ways and just be like, hey, Lance, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, but actually this is factually incorrect. Um, this is what happens, blah, blah, blah. Would you like me to come on the show to explain this to you? Not in a condescending way, but just because you uh, want to advocate for this and because you do, I, I know you want to get this right. So you were wrong here you are and then boom yeah if it's so bad i issue an apology uh if it's not i issue a correction and then otherwise i'm like hey by the way i learned something it's cool i you know i'm a sis i'm a sissy uh i fuck up i fucked up i've done transphobic shit uh like broadly speaking society is transphobic we've all been programmed with this fucking shit in our heads these gender stereotypes this archetype man woman boy girl two genders uh men strong protectors conquerors defenders women empathetic caregivers nurturers this is the world this is the paradigm everything must be those two things no possible other outcomes and so yeah it's like you'll slip into familiarities you'll slip into things where all of a sudden you're like oh okay well yeah i didn't know that um Okay, I uh, I guess I'll grow. And in that leftist mafia episode, that was it. That it was it was a team of people who were like, yeah, I know Anna knows that she's wrong, because here's a clip of Anna Kasparian explaining my position and, and explaining it eloquently. Here's her talking about conservatives who were against the term birthing people, and here's you know her saying outright that this is not to uh, remove anything about the real experience of women and how yes, half the population of the United States is now at threat for having their bodily autonomy removed. Takes nothing away from that by also adding that there are people who give birth who are not women. So that's just a little bit of it's a, it's a comma. It's like women comma and people who give birth you know you, you can even focus 95 percent of the time when you're discussing this on women women and then at a certain point as sam cedar pointed out he's like and it doesn't take anything off you know me to add and birthing people people who can give birth you know at, at the end of that sentence for someone who may not identify or be a woman and also has uh you know the ability to give birth there you go where people are critiquing from good faith like you guys have a little bit of an edgy style so i'll, I'll acknowledge that <laughs> but i have thick skin so it didn't really bother me that much that's yeah no I mean that's that's commendable um you know it's we're on this kind of like internet environment where everyone's very attacky to each other totally especially yeah. when they're not like engaging with them in person so yeah you, you have to have kind of a, a thick skin and I know but I mean you're you know talking about earlier and, and one of the things that we always commended you on was you know when you publicly came out and you said that you were wrong about the the Rittenhouse video which I mean most people when they make a mistake they just try to hide it or they try to shift blame you know Jimmy Dore very you know famously shifted blame to his producer and I thought it was really commendable that you came out and you're like no 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 I got this wrong. And you were mm -hmm. trying to trying to show not just do this for, like for your sake, but to say like, listen, audience, you know, you need to understand that this is the story, and, and you know, I don't want you guys to have the wrong information. Yeah, there was look I, the one, I guess through line you'll notice in the various things that we're going to talk about in this conversation is that it just become more, it just became abundantly clear to me that where I was getting my information, and I'm not just talking about like you know independent lefty outlets i'm talking about like legacy media outlets right mm -hmm. a lot of them it's not that they report misinformation it's that they omit details of the story 
that right. would, you know, maybe the, de the additional details of the story don't change your mind at all, right? But it's not up to them to decide that. Like, we should know every detail. I think the Amy Cooper story is another example. You know, I, it was fairly recently I came across uh, Camille Foster's very in-depth investigation into that story. And there were so many details of that story that were intentionally omitted or left out of the legacy media reporting of it. And that painted a picture in my mind and in the minds of many others that, you know, there's there's no justification for the way that she was, you know, panicking when she was on the phone with the 911 dispatcher, right? But then you get this, then you find out based on what Camille Foster had um, found out and reported was that like, she didn't have good cell reception. So the person on the other end of um, that conversation couldn't hear her. She was panicking because she mm -hmm. genuinely thought that she was at risk after, here's another thing that was admitted in a lot of the reports, after she was literally threatened by the bird watcher, right? Who said, right. you know, if you're gonna do what you want, I'm gonna do what I want and you're not gonna like it. And then he proceeds to try to lure her dog to him. And listen, yeah, yeah. You, might still, you might still feel that her behavior was uncalled for, whatever, that's up to you. But you should know all those details. And I will say for my personal opinion, if some random, if I'm alone at a park and some random guy tries to lure my dog away from me, I'm gonna freak out, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I just am. And so, okay, with the Rittenhouse story, I was gonna cover the trial and I just needed to go back and just like really, really look at all of the details and remember all the details. So when I do the story, I, I get the facts right. And then as I'm doing that, I come across a New York Times video. And this was a really, really well done video that they posted on YouTube that showed you in, in slow motion, like how everything transpired that night. Mm -hmm. And once you see it for yourself, it's really, really difficult to argue that in those moments, he was not acting in self-defense. And right. this is an area where, you know, Jake and I disagree because, you know, if even if you want to get down to that, because this is something that I know will get jumped down immediately uh, by a lot of the liberals and the centrists as soon as you bring up the Rittenhouse and the act of self-defense of whether or not that was justified. What is wrong with then taking the larger position that there is no reason for him to have ever done that in the first place? Like if you're like, well, yes, but in that moment, in that in the heat of that moment, right before he was about to be attacked, he did act in self-defense. It's like, yes, but should someone take up arms to go protect strangers property and yes it's it's in an area where i believe his, his stepfather or his father lived in so that's supposed to like get rid of the fact that this was crossing state lines because he in fact was going to somewhere where he did care about the community even if you do care deeply about your community if you are entering an area that has violence that has disruption and all that kind of stuff and you bring weapons what are the possible potential outcomes going to be from that action? Also, hey, as a leftist, here's a much bigger picture. The majority, the vast majority of Black Lives Matter protests were peaceful. We now have the data on the entirety of the movement. It, sh it turns out that it was overwhelmingly peaceful. Did the media hyper-focus on that? Or did they show you burning targets all day, every day? Did they show you looting all day, every day? What did everyone focus on? Did they focus on the broader conversation of why this movement is even taking place about the inadequacy uh, or even the, the unfair treatment of black people in America and, and systemic policing? That's part of the conversation, but now we're all way more hyper-focused on, hey, look at the burning building. Oh, look at that. Look at the looting. Look at the looting. Oh, you're going to say Target is insured? What about this mom and pop store? That mom and pop store just got robbed. Is that fair? What do you think about that? What's your opinion on that? Do you not feel that uh, there's a bit of chaos, anarchy in the streets, if you will? Uh, so should people not be able to go out and defend either their own homes or other people's to, to just just to stop it, to make it end? You know, so maybe maybe a well-armed militia is the only thing that is going to keep order on the streets. If someone's hitting you over the head with a skateboard, <laughs> that could kill. Uh, thank you. 
send me yeah please send me facts as, as we go along i i love i love using the the data and the stats but 93 percent of black lives matter protests have been peaceful a new report finds the vast majority of black lives matter protests more than 93 percent have been peaceful according to a new report published thursday by a nonprofit that researches political violence and protests across the world the armed conflict location and event data project analyzed more than 7750 black lives matter demonstrations in all 50 states in washington dc that took place in the wake of george floyd's death between may 26th and august 22nd the report states that more than 2400 locations reported peaceful protests while fewer than 220 reported violent demonstrations. The authors define violent demonstrations as including acts targeting other individuals, property, businesses, other writing groups, armed actors, fighting back against the police, vandalism, property destruction, looting, roadblocking, using barricades, burning tires, or other materials. And the really important part about all this is that if you were following in mainstream media when this was all going down, that's the, the, the narrative that was being fucking programmed and singed into your mind 24-7 was earning building burning cop building, burning target, look at the looting, look at the violence, look at the chaos, the chaos on the streets, something has to be done, Donald Trump is going to be justified as he's getting people fucking bagged and tagged without fucking, you know, actual police accreditation on their, on, on their or badges or uh, serial numbers or any of that, this, this has to be done, we have to restore order to the streets. You know, and so, <laughs> you know, Cenk is a very, he's a strong-minded person and he's not one to back down from a fight, so in his mind, you know, someone confronts you with a skateboard, he, he doesn't see it as a threat, but I, I do. And Rittenhouse is not a big burly oh, guy who can like, defend himself um, against someone ben. who's like, hitting him over the head with a skateboard and he's lying on his back. So right. once I saw all those details, first of all, I had to convey them to my audience and be honest about what the what the reality was. And, uh, the other thing was, you know, there well. was a lot of misreporting got, uh, about how, how Rittenhouse here. was in possession of an illegal weapon and that he crossed state lines with that illegal <laughs> oh, no. weapon. Okay, yep. so that was a lie. And it's not a lie that I just made up in my mind, right? That was how it was reported initially, which is why I would mention the state lines, but not because, oh, how dare he cross state lines? Anyone in this country has the right to cross state lines. It was because it was reported that he was in possession of an illegal gun right. and he traveled across state lines with an illegal See, like the framing of all of this, especially us who have like, you know, big platforms or the ability to put a perspective in media is so important because again, they hyper-focus. The media always does this. They hyper-focus on things. They never talk about like, okay, so uh, we care a lot about crime about theft. We care a lot about people destroying property, breaking into homes, stealing from small businesses. We're going to hyper-focus on, we'll put the lens on that, you know, tonight at six, a new crime wave happening. People stealing baby formula and diapers directly out of supermarkets. What can be done? Do you talk about wage theft? Never. Is, is that the overwhelming amount of theft that takes place in the United States? Yes. Yes, by strikingly high margins. Clean up your room. You know, this, this is an issue that should be, if you care about putting a focus on this, this should be the focus. And when it comes to Black Lives Matter and that entire movement that was taking place, the focus was always on the destruction, the violence, the, the, the cop station on fire. Look at this. It's, it's pure jokerfication on the streets. Look at this. The target has been completely burnt down and looted. Look at this. People destroying their entire communities. Uh, blah, blah, blah. This is what we have to focus on. And it's like... The actual, let's take a step back, let's look at the bigger picture, and let's look at what we have the ability to focus on. Because yes, you can poke holes in a lot of things as they were being reported and covered on this issue because it was so heavily dissected by both sides and politicized incredibly, right? This was one of the key moments of, you know, the entirety of the Black Lives Matter, the second wave that came uh, after the George, the murder of George Floyd. And this was one of those big moments was, of course, Kyle Rittenhouse, did he act in self-defense? Was he justified in what he did? Initial reports said that he had taken a weapon across state lines. Initial reports said that he was actually uh, you know, defending property in an area in which he did not live. Uh, this has happened. Now we have more footage. Now we have more angles. Now we have more drone footage. More information is coming out. Here we are, blah, blah, blah. Now we should focus on this. Is this really, when it comes down to it, the most important part of this discussion that we're going to have in the midst of all the stuff that has centered around civil rights? 
whether or not he acted in self-defense. That's what we're going to hyper-focus on and whether or not people misreported that along the way. And that's what the discussion becomes, especially when after the fact you look at it and you're like, hey, there's a lot of things people fucked up. The left fucked this one up badly. Look at all the things they got wrong. He didn't, in fact, transport the gun against state lines. He had a stepfather who lived in that other state, so technically he wanted to defend what you could consider his own community. Uh, he wasn't pointing his gun into the faces of people before he shot them. Uh, he was acting... Look at this. He was being charged at by someone. Did you know the person that he shot is actually a pedophile? So, I mean, are you defending a pedophile now? I don't know what's going on. Lots of things. Hey, look, he's he's been acquitted. He's not actually uh, a murderer. Uh, you can say he killed two people, but you can't say he's a murderer. That's actually technically slander now, so watch what you say and now he's going to come after all the media who actually misrepresented this and misreported on it and that's what we're going to talk about and again it's like well what is the point of what you're focusing on as someone with an audience as a public facing figure but what 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 is the point of why you would frame it this way and talk about it in this regard when again if you are a progressive if you're a leftist doesn't matter who you are you know include myself or anyone else who wants to talk about this then why would you choose to report on it in this way I'm like, it's, it's, it's a weird defensive position. Like if someone is like, hey, did you know that the majority of uh, black murders are by black people? And you're like, okay, so are you not going to talk about this like mass shooting that happened yesterday where a black person killed another black person and then injured a bunch of others? Are you not going to talk about all the, the black on black violent crime in the United States? Why don't you hyper focus on that? And you're like, what is your purpose in focusing exclusively on violent black crime or, or exclusively on this angle of this story? What, what does that serve? If we hyper focus on that legal gun, which is a serious charge, but it turned out that he did not travel across state lines with that. Yeah, weapon. he didn't he actually, do that. Yeah, the weapon right. was in in the area already. Yeah, exactly. He bought it from a friend when he was already in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Sitchin, yeah. Sitchin, the night of that event, I mean, maybe a day afterwards, Sitch and I were watching those videos online as they were breaking out. And I saw yeah, the reporting was there. basically wrong on CNN the night the viral videos were released. Don Lemon was saying you know, a, a white kid shoots into a crowd of Black Lives Matter protesters. And I'm like, what? Yep. That's insane. Yeah. So they kind of poison the narrative from the get-go. Mm -hmm. And then everyone just kind of gets caught up in it. Yeah, and that's how misinforma misinformation spreads. And I've just... That was By the a way, moment. to people in the chat, even if this turns out to be as bad as everyone is making it out to be, because I haven't watched this whole thing yet, um, going after TYT as an entirety, if Anna is doing a whole, like, I'm pivoting to the center and I'm going to be taking all these really you know, turfy or anti-LGBTQ plus positions now or stuff like that. It's not TYT as a totality. There's a lot of TYT hosts who do amazing work who still work and have shows on TYT that are important. You know, um, Dr. Rashad, Nina Turner, for example, uh, John, like they, they all are still really good hosts. I, I don't agree with the the idea of being like, well, now because of Anna, all every single, like, don't get me wrong. She is a, she is the one of the two main hosts of the channel so it is significant but there are still you know a lot of people who work there you know yeah and 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 bleep blah ben i heard you that uh, we're gonna i was actually gonna watch your video uh after if i still have time uh, about how you just left i think i have it queued in my my list of things for me because again I, misinforming the audience is not something i have any interest in and i might give them the facts and they might not like it but i can't withhold information from them because I'm afraid that they might not like it. So I'm gonna give mm -hmm. them the facts. But yeah, you know, I've sure. learned to be better about, first of all, the, the sources I trust. I make an effort to just be cognizant of the filter bubbles. We all exist in, the filter bubbles I exist in. And I've broken through that bubble a little bit to you know, look at other sources that I typically wouldn't have looked at. And then the other thing that I do now is I just wait. You know, I think the 
story involving the so-called city bike Karen is a good example of that. The main show, because TYT consists of many different shows, right? The show that I'm the executive producer and host of is the main flagship show, The Young Turks. Mm -hmm. And prior to that story breaking, I had a meeting with my team and I was like, listen, I don't want you guys pitching stories about random individuals in the country who are caught in an out of context video, allegedly behaving badly. I, I think these stories are divisive. I don't think we usually have the full details before we talk about these stories. And honestly, at the end of the day, engaging in these witch hunts is actually causing more division and hate in the country than anything else. So like if there's a story. Sorry, I, I have to just quickly uh, play uh, uh, one ad break for a second here and then we'll return to this coverage. We'll be right back. Minimizing racism and the harm white people can inflict on people of color by focusing on how Karen is a hurtful word, according to messages and an employee who attended the events. Mm. Well, it's a derogatory term. That's why it's used in a derogatory sense after someone is perceived to have engaged in bad behavior. Let's get back. Story that's particularly like jarring, and you guys really do want to cover it. That's fine, but just I'm understand that we are going to wait. Like, you. we are not in the business of breaking news. I don't give a shit about being the first uh, in reporting the story or whatever. I want to make sure that when we do, we actually report it correctly, and we don't have egg on our face later. Now, there are a bunch <laughs> of other shows on the network that I have no say over, that I have no control over, who, you know, inaccurately reported on it and uh, had to issue retractions. They had to take videos down and all that stuff. And I just think that was a teachable moment, hopefully a teachable moment for everyone in the company. But certainly, you know, this is an ongoing conversation I have with my team. And luckily, I don't know how I did it. I feel like I found unicorn producers because they're really smart, super open-minded. You know, they're less interested in this left versus right or partisan garbage. And they're more interested in making sure that if we're gonna report stories, we get it accurate. Um, and so we're, we're moving slowly but surely in a direction that I think is better, not just for the show, but I think better in terms of like what we add to society. Like the last thing I want to do is be the other side of right wing disinformation, right? Like if we're going to be critical of disinformation we see happening in various videos and that are produced by other people, we should at least look inward a little bit and make sure that we're doing our due diligence. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting you were saying how uh, with the media, a lot of the misinformation comes from like they leave stuff out. And I, that's been mm -hmm. my experience too, just this intentional leaving out of key information or they'll like the headline or the subsection will kind of frame something in a very specific way. So even when you get to like kind of the contradictory information, your mind is already like made up by that point. So it doesn't yeah. matter. Um, and so it leads to this kind of effect where like once a person see like once that story hits that like you or me or anyone, because I kind of went to the same experience where like once something hits me in a specific way, like it's like I'm oh, I'm free of the matrix. Suddenly I'm starting to see like things a little bit differently. All the dominoes kind of start to fall. And I say, oh, wait, I start to see like where all the misinformation is coming from. Was the totally. was the Rittenhouse thing like was that like the key moment or was there something else that kind of like oh. made you shift your <laughs> shift your thinking? So that was one of the pivotal moments. But mm -hmm. honestly, I would say it everything for me started when I started getting gaslit on the crime wave. Mm -hmm. And it's 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 really interesting to talk about these various political issues in the abstract, 
But then once you personally experience something and once you see something happening in the country with your own two eyes and your political side is incessantly gaslighting you on it, it makes you question, well, what else are you guys lying about? Or what else are you guys gaslighting about? And that's what happened. So, you know, during the pandemic, there was absolutely a crime wave in the country, mostly in like major cities. Los Angeles happened to be one of them. And, you know, I, I talked about how I, you know, was assaulted. Well, actually, let me give you the details again, because there's an element to that story that I've never shared with anyone that also explains where my head's at now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as I was walking my dog one day, there were these two guys, they appeared to be homeless. They appeared to be on something. They looked like they might be messed out or something because they were kind of acting erratically. But, you know, typically when I come across guys like that, if I ignore them, they won't do anything. Right. That wasn't the case this time around. You know, they're coming toward me and my dog, Charlie, like he does his business. And as I bend over to pick up his business, one of them grabs me by my hips and just like with an erection and everything just starts like humping me like wow. right there in like broad daylight. And right. it was terrifying because like I didn't have any weapon with me, no taser, no pepper spray, nothing. Mm -hmm. And wow. and luckily the guy, he did that. And then he and his friend walk away while they're like laughing at me. And if, I felt so degraded, scared. And like right. the first thing I did is I called my husband and he came down and he's like, where are they? And he started looking for them. We couldn't find them. Um, the cops w wouldn't come. Like we actually had an incident in front of our um, building like a few weeks prior to that. That was really scary. We called the police and the police just wouldn't come. <laughs> it was amazing. And wow. now in retrospect, I realized the reason why is because there was a shortage. And I think that there was like an unofficial strike considering what happened in 2020 and all the mm -hmm. protests. So, so they just wouldn't show up. He just says, we never denied the existence of crime. We just disagreed on the fucking solutions. The real gaslighting is saying that the more mass incarceration will solve things. Yeah, I mean, first off, there was an uptick in uh, certain forms uh, under COVID. I think of violent murders in the United States has increased. But I'm trying to find the data right now. I'll pull it up. I think this is a midterm point that you hear like repeated a lot that like violent crime is is increasing and out of control in the United States. And I don't think that anything has reached, uh, you know, the pre-1990 levels uh, where the United States saw those incredibly large crime waves. But I'm going to pull it up here because I don't know if it's even as bad as it's made out to and be right now. I just didn't even That's not to downplay or discount anyone's lived experience. It's fucking horrifying if someone is like either abused, sexually assaulted, physically abused, physically attacked, any of that kind of stuff. No one is going to be on the other side of that issue. Like, no one is going to be like, oh, yes, well, I would like to have a system in which more people can commit more violent acts against people. No. Uh, it's like, all right, so the current system as it is uh, in the United States, which is a system of mass incarceration combined with uh, profit, because there are for-profit prison systems, for-profit prison companies, and for-profit prison um, amenities. There's a variety of things that you can outsource to other companies that are going to handle it, that, you know, it, within the prison system itself. So is that resulting in lowering... Uh, effectively the amount of violent criminals is it effectively because you have the highest rates of incarceration in the world if you're in the u.s right one percent of your population is behind bars one percent one percent of the entirety of the united states population is in a cage in some way shape or form uh, you are doing the extreme version of what is supposed to have results and yet still complaining about violent crime being out of control both can't be true to call the cops because i'm like what's the point these guys have already like left and they're not going to be able to find them but anyway I, I opened up about that and i also started opening up about you know just what the statistics were indicating in regard to crime and how it's obviously having a negative impact on all communities but most 
FBI report says there's a slight decrease in violent crime. U.S. violent crime has decreased slightly last year, even as the murder uh, number of murders edged higher than rising sharply at the height of the pandemic than the previous year. According to the new FBI report, the report comes at a time when many Americans worry about violent crime and the issue has come to dominate public discourse. But the FBI cautioned against putting too much weight on the data. The non-significant nature of the observed trends is why, despite the described changes, the overall message is that crime remained consistent. Overall, there was a total of 1,326,600 violent crime incidents last year, a decrease of 1% from the 1,330,000 2020, the FBI says contributing to the decline was a sharp decrease of nearly 9% in robberies, the FBI says. Meanwhile, the number of murders rose from 22,000 to 22,900, so that's an increase of 900 murders in 2021, an increase of 4.3%. The 4.3% is what you can use, right? You can say, well, yes, but murders rose 4.3%, and then that sounds a lot scarier than saying it went up by 900. In 2020, homicides jumped by nearly 3% in the largest surge ever recorded by the FBI. While latest FBI crime figures come with caveats, independent researchers tracking violent crime trends have reported similar patterns. Research by the Council on Criminal Justice, or the CCA, and others suggest the spike in violent crime in 2020 appears to have plateaued. The recent CCJ report in estimated that homicides fell 2% during the first half of 2022. Criminologists question whether the usefulness of FBI's latest crime data, noting that large gaps in data were because of the lack of police department participation in the FBI's new crime reporting system. In the past, the FBI used a system that reported on general trends in violent and property crimes, but last year the Bureau rolled out new reporting systems or provided granular data, such as information on the types of weapons used in violent offenses. Participation in the system called the National Incident-Based reporting system is voluntary. However, many police departments have yet to make the switch. While participation on the old system hovered around 90% in recent years, just 63% of police departments submitted data. So yeah, guys, I would qualify that as unreliable. Let's look for others. Um, data from big cities suggests most violent crime fell last year. It's widely known the U.S. doesn't have reliable federal data on crime trends, but a new report on Thursday aims to provide a snapshot of what happened in dozens of the nation's largest cities. Homicide and gun assaults in those cities fell in 2022. At the same time, robberies and property crime rose, and motor vehicle thefts and carjacking continued to trend upward, according to the report by the Council of Criminal Justice. In the latest attempt by researchers and organizations to provide policymakers, law enforcement, and general public information when issues of violent crime and criminal justice reform are at the center of U.S. discourse. Um, the report from the Council on Criminal Justice, a think tank with hundreds of members focused on criminal justice policy, analyzed police data from monthly crime rate for 10 violent property and drug offenses in 35 cities. Uh, the cities included uh, cover about 3.37 million residents to make their crime data. Trends in 2022 were largely the inverse of what happened in the U.S. amid the height of COVID in 2020 and 2021 when violent crime rose and property crime decreased. According to the report, homicides fell by 4% in 2022 based on data of 27 of 35 cities in the study. The finding is in step with the data from other groups such as research firm H. Uh, data Linux which covers data on murders of police departments in nearly 100 cities. The firm found murders rose in 2020 and 2021, but declined nearly 5% in 2022. Jeff Asher, the Data Analytics co-founder, has been tracking the trends since 2015, said 25 cities with available data and found shootings were down in 18 of the cities, with some seeing substantial declines. While the decline in murders and shootings is heartening, he said the U.S. murder rate in each year since 2020 has remained at elevated levels not seen since the 1990s. So here's the U.S. murder rate. And like I said, in, yeah, 95 is around, or 92, yeah, it was around the peak here. And then you can see a very sharp decline that declined all the way until about 2013 and then there's certainly an increase uh in the COVID era of the u.s murder rate uh carjackings are increasing 27 have seen a rise in the, since the beginning right. of the pandemic uh thank you jay's musings uh you're right she's clearly wrong here now what for fuck's sake we need is universal health care like we're really working towards a collective group i feel like we're nuking our own where does the line start and end just like we're losing sight of the end goal unless the goals address out our lines i mean i don't think that uh just because people do good work that uh if they start having bad takes then you know they should either be absolved or ignored uh because they still do have massive audiences and massive people who follow their platforms so yeah the reason i i'm calling out anna specifically with these uh takes by the way is like she called out the leftist mafia saying that we were unfair and that adam and sitch actually had a much 
fairer uh, understanding of what had actually taken place, you know, back then. And uh, like I said back then, like Professor Anna agrees with us. Like Anna, in her own words, when it came to you know birthing people, was saying that exact same thing eleven months ago. And reproductive freedom was already. They've determined this is the law of the land. Uh, we're not going to touch it. First thing they do is they reverse it, of course. Uh, so they were going to uh, explore that. Very important issues, especially in the new climate that we're living in, where a 10-year-old gets raped in Ohio, gets pregnant as a result of that rape, and has to travel out of state to Indiana to get an abortion. Okay, So this is an important issue. And bad faith, right-wing culture war manufacturers like Josh Hawley decide to hijack this important hearing to, of course, create more content that they can use to campaign on. That's what this was about. And I think the way that uh, Kiara Bridges, who's the uh, expert uh, testifying there, the way she handled it was, I, I think it was fantastic. It was because she dismissed, she, she was informative, but more importantly, she dismissed him. And he, along with other Republican lawmakers, deserve to be dismissed on this issue because it's bad faith. They know. They know there's a difference between gender and sex. They know that it is very possible for someone to be born a biological male or, or a biological female, but in terms of gender, identify differently as a male or non-binary, but they still have the biological Correct. capacity, the physical capacity to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. So Correct. that's why the language, the rhetoric is inclusive to include those people. It is not yes. a big deal. Spit. But they make it a big deal. They manufacture it into a big deal because that's all Republicans are. That's all they have. This is all they do. I agree with Anna. But what she's saying about Republicans. The communities that like BLM and, and leftists claim to care so much about, the disadvantaged uh, communities, you know, crime on the metro system in LA has been unbelievable. And the majority of people who take the metro, who take bus, buses and public transportation, they're usually like immigrant workers they're usually you know blue collar workers who you know don't have enough money to buy a car for instance and so i was like why are you guys cool with just having these people deal with this kind of violence there was like a, a phase last year where people were literally being set on fire randomly on wow. buses Jeez. and that would get no attention no news coverage and it would infuriate me and so when i opened up about what happened to me in my own neighborhood um what i thought was telling was how Everyone, not everyone. Just because she doesn't want to be called a birthing person doesn't change any of that. But see, the thing is, that's it's a non-problem because no one is forcibly saying that she can only be referred to as birthing person. Like no one's trying. Uh, it, not activists, not not LGBTQ advocates, not not anyone in the opposite direction is saying you are no longer a woman. You can only be referred to as birthing person from here on out. Um, it's it's inclusive language to include other people. It's hey this you know, draconian measures passed by the Republicans are looking to limit the bodily autonomy of women and people who give birth. Comma. But some people accuse me of pushing racist stereotypes. But I have never, ever disclosed the race of these two individuals, ever. Yeah. But they just assumed that these two guys were black. They wow. weren't black. They were two white guys. But like, I never shared that publicly because I didn't think the race really mattered, right? What actually Maybe happened mattered. And I thought the reaction to it by the people who were supposed to allegedly want dignity for everyone reacted to it. Like that really bothered me. So that was the beginning of it. I would say that's what started me questioning everything and wanting to like look deeper into everything. And then other things happened. So um, the misrepresentation of what was happening to Asian Americans. So there would be all these videos of Asian Americans getting sucker punched or hit over the head with, you know, whatever. And the, the main narrative on the left was, this is anti-Asian hate. Yeah. But it, 
But actually, if you look at all of those stories individually, it usually involved like a repeat criminal or someone who's just been left on the streets with severe mental health issues. Like people basically carrying out these acts of. I mean, there was a statistical increase in the amount of anti-Asian hate crimes that happened. It did happen in large part due to a lot of the xenophobia being promoted by the president of the United States at the time, who was trying to vilify entire Clean groups of people room. with, uh, you know, somehow this, and it's like, this is a time-honored racist tradition among xenophobes, you know, the Spanish flu, for example, calling it the Spanish flu specifically. Um, and the same thing uh, Trump was trying to do was calling it the China virus uh, or the Wuhan virus or, or the China flu or all that kind of stuff. Um, is there a one-to-one where every single time Trump says that, boom, that was the cause of someone committing an anti-Asian hate crime? No. And, the you know, I don't have any st stats or data to, to demonstrate that as being uh, the effective reason. But, like, that doesn't Clean mean that room. every single one at the same token in the other direction were all just being committed randomly by criminals. Uh, just criminals who had committed other acts of violence and, and that this increase in anti-Asian hate crimes suddenly can be pointed towards, oh, these are just violent criminals attacking people. There, there's not a basis behind the attacks. Violence because they don't have their head in the right place, they need help, whatever it is. But like to just brush it off as, oh, it's just anti-Asian hate that's been inspired by the right wing. It just wasn't true. Yeah. And, you know, I just thought it was wrong to, to frame it that way when in reality there was a real issue with, you know, repeat offenders and in some cases, Aren't you doing the same thing in the opposite direction, though? Like, in one direction, it's like, hey, by the way, there seems to be a uh, a demonstrable increase in anti-Asian uh, hate crimes. And there's also an increase that seems to be coming from, you know, a lot of the right and the president of, uh, you know, xenophobia and anti, uh, you know, uh, Chinese discrimination uh, and rhetoric that is coming, you know, directly from the president as well as a lot of my Republicans. Now, again, I, I don't have a way to correlate every single one of these attacks and say this one was directly influenced or inspired. Like, it puts you in that defensive position for the same thing with like anti-LGBTQ attacks. Was this person actually inspired by Matt Walsh? Were they actually inspired by this person? If so, how far did it go? When the answer is like most of the time when it comes to someone who's radicalized to the point of violence, there's a lot of dots along the way. He's just not just like, well, it's the one video and then activate and then like, no, they're watching and consuming all of this angry ideology over and over every single fucking day until they start getting fucking coded people with, with severe mental health issues. Honestly, randomly targeting all sorts of people. But, you know, since a lot of this was happening in, in areas like San Francisco, where there's a sizable Asian population, the narrative. Thanks, Jay's Museum again. I appreciate all the biddies. Um, she's 1000 wrong and the birth person still is. I'm curious the TYT we are talking about. There's certainly a smaller gap between what you say, Nana and Joe Biden and Donald Trump. I'm thinking more historically at some point, you're not lose sight of what you're fighting for calling this out. Do you honestly feel that someone watching Nana would come to hate trans people like they're watching to? But we haven't even gotten to the trans section. I'm only I'm only in the first 20 minutes so far on the left became, oh, it's just anti-Asian hate that's been inspired by the right. And I just didn't really see much evidence of that. Um, then there was the attacks on straight news journalists who were doing their jobs. For instance, when Lee Fong was reporting on the BLM protests, uh, for, he was, when he was accurately reporting on the BLM protests and some of the violence that took place during those protests, uh, his own colleagues at The Intercept tried to paint him as a racist. Why did you start with saying straight? <laughs> I've known Lee Fong for many, many years since I started working at TYT. Guy doesn't have a racist bone in his body. For them to paint him in that way, I thought was disgusting, and it was a, it had a chilling effect. Right, the whole point is to intimidate journalists from doing accurate reporting on what's actually occurring on the ground. Then there was what happened to Jesse Single, which I found disgusting. I didn't know about that until at some point this year. I would say earlier this year with the trans <laughs> stuff. Jesse's yeah. been on the show before. Yeah, he's done great. Jesse Single is yeah. a good faith. I think critical thinker. I, I, I no, no, Jesse Singal is not. He's been a noted transphobe for a while. He's tried to like 
do the centrist position the all sides takes in his reporting, but holy fuck, he got called out hard for basically promoting conversion therapy through one of his articles. And later on, when it came down to the entirety of, is it okay for a journalist to leak potentially sensitive, private, doctor-patient confidentiality and, and medical information? Do you remember that? The same Jesse Singal, yeah. I, I, I'm subscribed to Blocked and Reported. I have listened to endless podcast episodes uh, from Blocked and Reported. I haven't seen anything from Jesse Single that communicates to me that he is a transphobe, that he is a bad person. He did straight news reporting on basically what, you know, some of the risks could be when it comes to transitioning literal. He literally wrote an article defending someone who believes in conversion therapy for trans kids. The second prong is therapy for the boy to help him adjust to the idea that he cannot become a girl, to help him teach him how to minimize social ostracism. Sucker does not teach boys how to walk in a manly fashion, but he does give them feedback about likely consequences of taking a doll to school. The third prong is key. Sucker says simply, the Barbies have to go. He has nothing against Barbie dolls, of course. He means something more in general. Feminine toys and accoutrements, including Barbie dolls, girls, shoes, dresses, purses, and princess gowns, are no longer to be tolerated at the home much less brought for the child. Sucker believes the toleration and encouragement of feminine play and dress prevent the child from accepting his manliness. Common sense says a boy who wants to play with dolls so much that he's willing to risk his father's wrath and his peer's scorn is unlikely to change his behavior due to inconsistent feedback, sometimes forbidding, sometimes tolerating, and sometimes even encouraging it. Inconsistent parenting like this is ineffective in stamping out any kind of unwanted behavior. This article, by the way, how the fight over trans kids got a leading sex researcher fired. Uh, obviously coming from and taking the position of we have to have a conversation about this things may have gone too far this is this is a leading researcher you know and if you look closely what really happened if you read the review which cmah has pulled off its website speak with the activists who effectively wrote large swaths of it examine the scientific evidence and talk to former gic clinicians and the parents of patients who worked with it's hard not to come to an uncomfortable politely incorrect conclusion zucker's defenders are right this was a show trial no, conversion therapy is torture. It is torture. You are torturing children by trying to force them to be a gender they're not. Imagine if that happened to you as a cis person. Like, that would be, like, it would fuck with me so much if both my parents were like, Lance, you're a girl. You're a girl. You gotta be a girl. So, uh, uh, this doesn't feel right. No, you gotta do girl things. We're taking away all of your boy things because those are boy things. You can't play with boy things anymore. But you have to wear dresses. We want you to put on makeup and a wig and start walking in a certain way and, and, and your voice can never become... Like, that shit would fuck with you. You'd be like, what the fuck? It would be torture. It would actually be torture growing up in that in addition to whatever else you got going on. That's if everything else in your life is honestly fucking perfect if it's like oh yeah you've got loving parents otherwise you've got good friends stable family economic situations fine parents aren't divorced you're not experiencing systemic racism you're not experiencing bigotry for being like you know homosexual stuff like that everything in your life is great well except for this one thing your parents are kind of really trying to advocate for you to become the gender you're not and it's kind of yeah it's it's stressful that's that's you know in the best possible position jesse singal is just fucking horrible horrible kids uh, with puberty blockers and then cross-sex hormones. And through his reporting, which I'm very sad to say, I didn't really come across until this year, I learned that I was wrong about a bunch of other things, right? So for instance, it is a lie that puberty blockers are reversible. Ben Burgess vaguely tweeted about me, probably. Spare me a thought for the Twitter detectives who can't spend any time with their families on the fourth because they need to prioritize going through Anna's experience into Fiona. I'm stitch frame by frame like the Zapruder film looking for problematic turns of phrase. <laughs> I am looking for them and soon I will get my clips. I'm mining this for the clips, you see. Soon we will truly trap Anna and her ways. 
I, I've been one of the people on the exact end of this, the opposite end, especially as part of the, the either leftist mafia who had to spend months, months being like, hey, by the way, from a place of utmost respect, and I have nothing but respect for Anna and, and Jank and what they've done. Uh, I'm not just saying this is someone who's been a guest star on their shows before, but I just mean in general, uh, based on the work that they've done in, in doing real world canvassing action, justice Democrats funding these political movements. Incredible, incredible. I'm going to talk about that as singular praises and preface with all of this for a really long time. So I can in the best of faith say this birthing person take is wrong. I know because you know, because here's you agreeing with my position verbatim here's here's the clip it's still up on on the young turks youtube here's you saying all the things that i'm saying right now but you're now either choosing to ignore them or you've changed your stance on them uh, and you don't think inclusive language in this regard is uh, acceptable in some cases they are not and they can cause irreparable harm and look oh i don't i don't know if he's it could be about me but it could also be about a lot of other people it, it, I have no proof that that's about me. There's, 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 every person is covering this right now. Of course it is. I, I'm sorry. Are, are we suddenly uh, surprised that this is how, like, when I uh, do something like, uh, hey, I'm going to Tim Pool to go date, debate Tim Pool. Uh, the next day, every single streamer is watching my debate with Tim Pool uh, and, and analyzing it. I don't think they're analyzing it looking to, like, you know, expose, unless they already come from a position of hating me, right? But I, I don't think they're looking to expose everything that Lance got wrong step by step. It's entertainment. They're like, oh, we want to watch it. Let's see how bad he fucked up. Or let's see how good he did, you know, in either direction. You might think, okay, but you got to do a balancing act. And if someone, if a child or if a teenager has severe gender dysphoria, and it would actually be better for that person to go on puberty blocks. Okay, I mean, we should be able to balance that out. But my point here is withholding the information because you don't like the information getting out there ain't the way to go. Because that destroys any opportunity for us to actually have a good faith debate about what we should do moving forward. What and so here's where it's getting actually really dangerous. This is this is where like and again she's backed this position up. Uh, Jesse Singal is not a transphobe at all. Just want they just want to suppress anything that questions the safety of puberty blockers and cross sex hormones from minors. It's pretty disgusting to say the least. And I'm glad that their efforts to destroy his career haven't worked. Uh, by the way, I'm 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 not the cancel guy. I a don't have the power to just cancel people. I'm like, hey, you are now canceled. So saith me, the serfs. Uh, and, and B. I'm the criticized guy. I'm not canceling comedians. I'm not canceling comedians and saying no comedian should ever be able to make jokes anymore. I'm going to cancel their takes. I'm going to be like, hey, by the way, uh, when Louis C.K. said this, this was a really fucked up thing to say. You know, when Joe Rogan said this, this was a very fucked up thing to say. Hey, my biggest inspiration in terms of comedy is Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle is my hero. I'm very, very sad and heartbroken to see Dave Chappelle uh, openly and avowedly wanting to be a turf. That breaks my heart. I, I, I didn't think I would, uh, you know, have to have to go through this, but it's too bad. So I'm going to criticize those shitty takes by Chappelle while still saying he's the goat and has some of the best fucking comedy specials of all time under his belt uh you can criticize people's takes without always fucking trying to actively destroy right. their career i'm not actively trying to destroy anna's career because a i can't <laughs> and b i have no interest in it <laughs> i don't have the power to be like an experian has said the wrong words we all know what happens next chat you all know what to do go out go forth the canceling hath begun oh like no it's not, not how any of this shit works but i am gonna say that it's really dangerous to say this shit because one uh this is 
in contrary to what a lot of other medical, including every major medical association in the United States, I believe it's what, 29 to 23 different medical associations are, are in concurrence right now, that uh, puberty blockers can be safe, effective, and reversible in treating uh, a gender dysphoria. Puberty blockers, by the way, they're not intended to be given to kids for a long period of time. They're given to be able to put a pause as best you can in terms of, you know, starting to have irreversible effects of puberty occur so that people can make informed decisions with, again, their doctors, with their with their parents, with uh, the information of experts, if you have access to this kind of healthcare, uh, to be able to determine, yes, you do want to continue to transition. If that is the case, then we are going to take you off puberty blockers and put you onto hormone therapy. So yes, any of the effects and negative effects that being on puberty blockers for a very long time could have, we're going to take you off the puberty blockers now, and you're going to go and begin hormone therapy. That way you will begin to grow as the gender that you believe you are. That's, that, that's the entire purpose behind this. We have been giving puberty blockers to cis kids for a very long time safely. We have been giving puberty blockers to cis kids and they are FDA approved for that purpose, for people who go through early puberty uh, in order to be able to, uh, again, prevent some of the effects that going through very early puberty can have on a developing body. And, and in that case, there isn't a, po a politicization of this. There isn't a pushback of this. There isn't a, well, have these been fully tested? I've heard that Lupron can cause infertility permanently. I think that what you're trying to do is castrate these people, Lance. You simply you simply want to create a trans genocide of your own or whatever the fuck, fucking the Beanie Dome was going off about. The pros and cons. So there's that, you know, all of this stuff just, it started adding up. And through listening to Blocked and Reported, I found out I got a lot of stories wrong as well. Rebecca Jones ended up being a liar and a grifter. And oh, I yeah. wouldn't have known that. I wouldn't have known that had I not, you know, opened my mind up to other voices. Rebecca Jones was the one that went after DeSantis, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And she, she's a complete liar. And we uplifted her, we enabled her, and I feel disgusting that we did that. So I issued a retraction um, and a correction on that story. I don't I remember know what the reaction that. was. <laughs> My reaction was good. Yeah. What, what, um, what, is, what, is some of, what is some of the reaction? Like what, one of the problems that we often have, you know, obviously we're labeled right-wingers all the time. Anyone who watches our show uh, mm -hmm. knows we're pretty much like disaffected liberals. <laughs> like to, oh, call, really? to call us right-wing is just, I mean, it's kind of laughable. But we are constantly called right-wingers just because we don't straw man the arguments that are made on the right. And so many people on the left, you know, all they are familiar with is the strong, the straw man version of the trans issue or, or some particular news story. Complaints filed after writer and whistleblower published details of young trans patient. In 2018, Jesse Singal wrote a controversial cover story in The Atlantic called When a Child Says She's Trans, focused on teens who detransitioned in appealing to skeptics and critics of gender-affirming care, but offered little acknowledgement to the majority of young trans folk who were happy to have affirming their genders. Needless to say, many trans people were not pleased with Singal's article. They were, as often as the case in mainstream journalism, cut out of their own stories. Since then, Singal's committed himself to such rational skeptic punditry with a substack podcast and social media presence snarled up in the topic of trans life. Typically, this means cherry-picking the evidence from scientific papers, countering critics with a stream of academics and anecdote. Uh, flash forward to this year, January 2023, Barry Weiss's The Free Press published a first-person account from a former caseworker at a clinic for the trans youth in St. Louis, where she claimed that she was drawing attention to the morally and medically appalling practices at the clinic. As is often the case with Weiss's writing, there's an emotional appeal, light on facts, relying on cryptic allusions to the worst-case scenario fears. The author of the piece, Jamie Reed, claims to be a whistleblower and urged the state to end these supposed horrid practices. The lawyer representing her 
is both an elected official and a representative of the Transphobic Child Protection Organization. Reed's essay initially attracted a lot of attention and indeed rushed the uh, Missouri State Legislature into action despite the lack of verifiable facts. The uh, litera uh, literati? literati of trans skeptical pundits are up. Uh, the St. Louis Dispatch published the follow-up that poked holes in the narrative and presented the po a perspective of parents and their children who had overwhelmingly positive experiences with the clinic. And by the way, I reported on this when they first came out. A whole bunch of parents came out directly to speak in opposition of that article as being not representational of their experiences with gender-affirming care and the life-saving effects it's had for their uh, children. And so this was like an incredible thing to see, just the backlash from these, like again, ascientific lies that are ideologically driven and promoted by people like Jesse Singal. Enter Singal, who took up Reed's public defense. In response to the reporting from the St. Louis Dispatch, Singal contacted Reed and published a lengthy account refuting pretty much everything the dispatch reported. In Singal's response, he shared screenshots from an Excel document that Reed had given him as proof to support her claims. It seems that Reed had kept her own private records about the trans youth at the clinic where she worked, whom she thought was being mistreated or misled by the medical staff, despite not being a medical professional herself. Reed also provided Singal with more specific patient details of its kind that were otherwise absent from the initial account. About this time, Singal tweeted looking for someone to speak about his HIPAA concerns. I'm sure you remember this. I have some dumb questions for a genuine HIPAA expert, if anyone knows one or is one who couldn't mind shooting me an email. <laughs> this was around the time when his, uh, I think he self-roasted his account, by the way, after being like, oh shit, there might be a lot of public evidence I need to worry about. Um, looking for someone to speak about the concerns. Not long after, he deleted his Twitter account for reasons he writes are unrelated. But now, according to the St. Louis Dispatch, both Reed and Singal have been named in public complaints about a potential HIPAA violation filed by parents who fled, or sorry, who felt that their child, and thus their family's safety, was exposed through details that Reed and later Singal shared publicly as the dispatch notes. Whistleblowers like Reed are covered by an exemption to the privacy rule in which they are allowed to disclose protected health information to certain oversight agencies and attorneys if they believe professional standards have been violated. Journalists are not amongst that group. Reed's free press narrative also raised significant concerns. Uh, when Singal wrote about things Reed told him and had given to him, either what Singal has published is or not true and Reed violated the privacy rule. HIPAA breaches often result in corrective plan or technical assistance, but fines can also be levied. Criminal violations, which are rare, can incur fees or jail time. They involve knowingly and wrongfully obtained and disclosing protected health information, which they may have done. So what is some of the reaction that you have gotten to that? Well, I mean, the reaction has not been great. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, that leftist mafia stream was unbelievable to me. Like the accusations that were thrown out there, um, Olay imp implying that I'm, I'm racist because as a woman, I don't want to be called a birthing person. Like that has... That, what? that never happened. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, uh, missing scene. <laughs> so here's where I'd edit in that scene, but unfortunately it doesn't exist. So I can't, I can't, I can't edit that scene in right here. Here's where we'd, where we'd link right now to to that moment in time. No, again on that left, like I, I can't believe what I'm hearing. That was the the kindest, in the nicest, most friendliest terms episode where every single person, especially like even David Dole, was being like, "I'm friends with these people. I'm not here to condemn Tyt. I'm not here to condemn any of the important work they did. I just want to say that this is the wrong take." And again, it's one of those things that you know Anna knows because she's had the exact take that I just played earlier. It's still up on TYT. I mean, race didn't come up at all until she brought it up. And then she, I mean, she was the only one on that stream who brought race into it and like made it abundantly clear that she's got an issue with white women and just thinks they're all the same. <laughs> what? Oh, I am the anti-white racist. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha. 
I'm going to be honest. These are a lot of weird cards to play all at once. Oh, man. We're getting a stacked deck right now. <laughs> Adam, I love your face here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good. Finally. <laughs> we can talk about anti-white racism from a centrist perspective. <laughs> Like, you know, whatever. And then and then after I basically called her out on it, she's like, oh, you're attacking me and only me because I'm black. And it's like, no, you're the only one attacking in that group of people yeah. who attack me and accuse me of being racist because I personally want to be called a woman. So hey, sorry. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to take a fat L here. Can you point me, if anyone has it, the clip to which I'm going to eat crow on where she specifically said because Anna Kasparian was using the term, uh, was saying and making an issue out of the term birthing person that she is in fact a racist. I want to I wanna see the clip. Oh, I mean... I'm not sure it, that they fully understand the damage that accusation can do. And, and if they do, oh, that, they that makes they it understand. even more... They understand. Oh, okay. They understand. That, I mean, that makes it even more... So, like, I guess it's just the R word for right-wingers and conservatives and stuff and MAGA crews. The worst thing you can possibly be called in your life is a racist. Well, I hate to tell it to everyone here, but uh, we're all racists. All of us. Myself included. We're all racists. Everyone is a racist. We've all been programmed since we were young by, broadly speaking, culture. We live in a white supremacist society. Uh, it, is, it is a racist society that imposes a lot of racist beliefs upon you, reaffirms them through a variety of media, social norms, cues, the way we talk to each other, the way we converse, our socials, all that kind of stuff. And it is a, now as you get older, deprogramming thing where we're all learning about it all the time. And yes, guess what? It's wild to say this. I know I might be the first person brave enough to make this statement, but non-white people can be racist as well. Non-white people can adopt white supremacy. There's other vectors of racism that can be towards other groups that are not white. There is a non-white person being racist towards another non-white person. Black people can be racist towards native people. Native people can be racist towards black people. I've seen it in both directions. I've heard it. I've been firsthand there in rooms where I have native and black friends and, and they're saying racist things. Because again, broadly speaking, we live in a white supremacist society. We're all going to be indoctrinated with stuff. And it's an easy default setting for a lot of people to go to once they start learning about that. But um, one of the big lessons I think we need to teach everyone is that when someone is calling out the idea of whiteness, that's not a personal attack. Someone says to me, Lance, yes, you're white. I'm not going to be like, well, that's not true. <laughs> say that no i am i'm i am white uh I, i'm i'm incredibly white yes uh because again whiteness it's whatever uh is deemed to be white at any given uh, time in society doesn't matter if my uh, blood quantum would not pass the test doesn't matter if my mummy's native i'm i'm white i'm treated as a white person broadly speaking by society uh, especially by the caps my interactions with the police i oh boy do i have the white man's confidence i'll tell you both a man you know, cis as fuck and, and white at the same time. Yes, well, I've talked my way out of many a police encounter using that white confidence in that moment. Um, but when people talk about whiteness as a concept, it's about how it is an in-group and out-group. What is white can change. What is considered white can change. There is white on white racism all the time in Europe, con European countries. How about Roma people? Are Roma people considered the, the whiteness? Are they considered white enough? Are, are they the one true white? Or do other white people 
consider them not to be white? Are they trying to exclude them from what is whiteness? Is is whiteness changing over time based on location and history? Is whiteness changed in the United States? Were Italians considered white? Were Irish people considered white? Were they considered lesser than? Were they considered inferior, perhaps even genetically inferior, uh, because they aren't the one true Aryan race? Yes, this, this whole concept does change over time. And when people are calling it out, it's not a personal attack, right? It's, it's like, if someone is pointing out the way their lives are fucking hard, if someone's like, hey, by the way, Lance, yeah, you're not black. You're right, I'm not. Okay, so as a black person, Lance, I get racialized in these following ways. I'm like, okay, that's not a call out of me. That's not like, Lance, you did that. That's you. You and all white people. You, you, and, you and the whites, you, you have single-handedly, you're responsible for slavery. You know that, being white, Lance. You have the white skin. You have the, the, the blame, the, the stain, the original sin is upon you because you're white and you carry that with you. It's like, no, you might not realize how other people have different lived experiences. They do. And because of that, uh, we should point this out. We should even make, I don't know, entire fields dedicated to understanding how society works and how it treats other people. Sociology, if you will, the study of that. Uh, so we can better understand these kind of things, you know? More horrible. I think she published a video of you that was you uh, saying the N-word. It was back when, you know, YouTube didn't have this big prohibition on saying the N-word. And you weren't, it's not like you were calling people the N-word. You were using, right. quoting stories. So all of these... Uh, are taken out of context, which is completely unfair. Yeah, I mean, look, um, so it's really funny because that compilation video wasn't made by her. Uh, if you guys remember, at some point last year, everyone was going after Rogan for saying the N-word. And yes. so someone someone on the left had made a compilation video of all the times he had said the N-word on his podcast. And then in response to that, someone on the right made a compilation of all the times like I had said the N-word, right? <laughs> or me and Jenk had said the yeah. So someone on the right made that video. Uh -huh. And we all, look, we had a company meeting, the producers, everyone, we got together. And this is like years and years ago. The last time we actually uttered that word on air was in 2012. But we, we sat down, we talked about whether we should actually say the word when we're quoting someone that we are condemning as racist, or should we sanitize it and say N-word instead? And so we had a vote and we decided at the time that it was better to, to actually read the quotes verbatim as opposed to sanitizing it. And uh, I knew it would eventually come back to bite me in the ass. And it did. And you know, I don't really, I'm not going to apologize for it because context matters, intention matters. And what, what people like Olay are trying to do is erase all of that, yeah, right? To make right. it seem as though intention is totally irrelevant. Context is totally irrelevant. If she says someone's racist, then by death. I also like when it comes to Anna going after Eliami consistently, I'd, I'd like to point out, especially because she started this entire thing on Twitter initially, right? Uh, calling out Eliami of all the, the cast members of Leftist Mafia. All of us were talking about this in the same way. Like you might argue, I was more respectful uh, of feelings, but I, I, all of us were like, yeah, no, it, it, it's a, a right wing position decidedly to go after inclusive language because at the end of the day, all it serves is this narrative that apparently things have gone too far. Uh, LGBTQ plus activists are, are asking for too much. They've lost their minds. Now, apparently you're not even allowed to be a woman. They're trying to erase what women are by calling them birthing people. I am more than a birthing person. I think that's reductive. And it's like, no one is trying to erase women specifically, unless you're talking about conservatives erasing trans women from existence. But like otherwise, it's like it's women, comma, women, comma, birthing people. That person is racist. End of story. But Alimi was the one who got it at the end of the day. Like, you know, all of us had the same take. All of us said that publicly. All of us were like, you know, yes, I'm just coming at a, a point a POV, you know, at the end of the day. Period. And I just disagree. I also disagree with race, racism of all all sorts. Right. So I find it disgusting when people make generalizations about black people or migrants or any group 
why would I somehow be okay making generalizations about white women or white people, right? So mm -hmm. I just, I find it gross and divisive. And look, at the center of all of this is, I've been doing this shit for like 17 years and things have gotten worse. And I just don't think whatever strategy the left thinks they're engaging in is an effective strategy. I think it's actually caused more harm than good. I think their rhetoric and their discourse is a lot of times ignorant of the facts. And I think that they go around accusing people of doing things that they themselves engage in. And mm -hmm. I was part of that too. I'm trying to do better moving forward. But a lot of people are gonna look at this and think, oh, well then that means she's a right winger. Whatever, you can call me whatever you want. I don't care what, what you label me as, but- Just not birth in person. Don't call me birth in person. <laughs> birth with the uterus, yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't blame you at all, so. Yeah, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't... <laughs> this is the friendliest I've ever seen Adam and Sitch, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I don't get this kind of treatment, Adam. I, I I don't get all the little friendly banter and then the references and they're like, no, 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 but I'm, don't worry. I'm totally on your side. I get it. I don't know what my labels are at this point right. because I don't fit in anywhere. I feel like you're, you feel like you're becoming politically homeless, maybe a little bit. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. What, what do you think? What do you think's causing sort of this shift in the left and in media? Or I mean, first of all, I'm assuming you think there is a shift that's happening in the left. The shift in the left. Mm -hmm. um, so you, well, yeah. It's funny because, you know, a lot of them LARP is like anti-capitalist, like revolutionaries. Or <laughs> LARP. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, but it's true. And so uh -huh. it's really funny. Not totally wrong there. I'm not going to follow it They are positioning themselves to attract a very specific niche uh, in, in audiences, right? So they're going for the purists, the people who like to think of themselves as like far left, communist, socialist, whatever. Mm -hmm. But like the whole thing is, I mean, you can see it in the various streams, like they'll talk about things through the lens of we're the we're the Clean most pure like we're stardust nine thank you so much i appreciate that harvey danger dragon thank you as well sorry i didn't uh, say anything at first we're the most yeah, sincere in what we're saying whatever the real and, and like, yeah exactly we're the real left so when they do that what but like I, everyone will tell you how much they hate fucking purity testing from any group like the quartering's doing purity testing from the far right perspective right now. Now he's calling out everyone, you know, Jordan Peterson isn't on Rumble. I'm the only one who cares about free speech. None of you are on Rumble, blah, blah, blah. But like, in terms of like, you know, that's all the shows are for like leftist content creators. Fuck no. Like, I don't think anyone would be able to make it as leftist content creator just doing it purely from a, uh, hey, by the way, I'm the one true leftist because no one is fucking pure. <laughs> We're all <laughs> come on everyone will talk about things they aspire to be hey i want to be a better person i'm working on that all the time there's things i do that are shitty consistently and things that i want to fucking undo about myself and i'm constantly trying to deprogram this shit hey i was a fucking homophobe a lot of my life and i'm a bisexual i was a homophobic bisexual but that's because fucking society is homophobic and it was safer and the people i would hang out with in high school were all homophobic so i was also homophobic and so fucking i deeply apologize for all my homophobia in the past and yeah guess what i still deprogram stuff when it comes to that because yeah now i have a lot of queer friends i have a lot of queer people i work with and sometimes you will get people who are fucking you know completely 100 uh, homosexuals being like lance by the way it's just so you know i know you're buying everything but it's kind of like that's not the joke you should be making blah 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 and you're like okay sure I did, did, thank you for teaching me right like if anyone comes in a position uh in politics of you are the one true you're fucked <laughs> you're so fucked it's <laughs> because like oh man you can aspire to be a better person we all should and that's that's the most you can ask for
That's it. That's like the most I can ask for of, of you, my chats, my audience, and the people who are watching. Lance, what advice would you have? Maximize yourself. Maximize the best version of you. You may not be able to be a professional NBA player. You might not be the greatest musician of all time. You may not be the uh, you know CEO of some massive company, but there's a version of you that's really shit, and there's a version of you that's the best version of you. Try to achieve that one. Try to get to that trajectory. You know, I, I know for a fact that there's certain things I'm not capable of doing. I was not born with those uh, specific abilities, but there's a better Lance and there's a shit Lance. And so I want to kind of be, you know, work towards the better one. What ends up happening is they become more and more extreme in what they are saying, right? In what they claim to believe. And at the heart of that, like what they're actually doing is trying to attract a niche audience for what? To make money. <laughs> like it's, I think that there's a, I think there's a financial motive behind it. You know, they're competing with. I'll just, um, I'll give you guys full transparency for what I've witnessed firsthand as being a content creator for like four years and a streamer. There are times when my numbers were going wild. And the reason for that was that I was doing debates and conflict on a very regular basis. I was like, you know, once, uh, once a month, I'd have some huge debate and, or I would be always butting heads with a massive other community, say like destiny or DGG or something. Uh, that was around the Rittenhouse, uh, when there was debates about that talking about, you know, we, I debated him on people versus property and I would see the numbers. You can see what conflict brings you like this. And then all of a sudden it's like, holy fuck, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm doing 1.1K right now, fucking, uh, you know, fighting with all these people. And then all of a sudden the next day, it's like, you're back down to like 300 and all that dopamine and serotonin is like, and so all of a sudden you're like, well, I guess I gotta, gotta get back up on there. What panels are taking place today? Right. That, that was the first time where I was like, I was, I was being tempted and directed by numbers, by, by like success, by like, oh shit, this, this, is but it was, it was also coinciding with like, I was very miserable. I was I was very unhappy. I wasn't I wasn't like guiding my own streams the way I wanted or my own show the way I wanted. I was following what other people wanted of you, you know, being like, Oh Lance, you should debate so and so. Oh Lance, you should appear on this show. Hey Lance, blah blah, blah go on this panel. And you're like, Okay, sure. And then you go on all those panels and all of a sudden it's like blah, 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 and then you can't turn it off, can't turn off the social medias after, can't turn off the, 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 the Twitters and you're just like your mental health declines. And it was always a big thing where it's like you can see what thing or same thing with YouTube. With YouTube, you can see which videos via a very very sophisticated algorithm and what performs better for why and very quickly there's a lot of people on youtube myself included where you start to be like oh whoa holy shit if i make a documentary on gamergate it takes a long time not a lot of people watch it because there's so much research and stuff uh, that wasn't a very popular video but oh when i make this video right here on matt walsh for the specific reason everyone wants to see it okay so maybe that's maybe i should just become that channel now i should just keep doing that I have never felt and seen, and this is 100% the feels, a temptation to become a more hardcore leftist, as in, like, I need to become an avowed anarcho-communist. I need to become an avowed anarchist. I need to become an anarcho-syndicalist publicly in order to really recruit, and then we'll do the purity testing. I, I don't think there's a market for I think that is so niche. I, I, I think people get scared by that. I think when people actually start hearing deep theory, it starts to really like be like, oh, what the fuck? You want to dismantle the police state? What the fuck? Where am I? What, what the hell is this? I, 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 I just wanted to talk about Bernie Sanders and healthcare. And all of a sudden they've got like some anarchist hosts who's like, well, yeah, have you not read Stalin? Read Stalin? What, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I, I, I don't think there's as much uh, a market for that as there is certainly in safer positions of like, hey, I'm going to appeal to what's already a pretty broad consensus, the liberal majority. A lot more liberals, they seem to all really like certain issues I talk about, so I'll appeal to the broad liberal majority in that. That, that, 
you can see is going to have more people who are like, oh, okay, well, maybe maybe he's not an anti-capitalist disruptor. Maybe he just cares a lot about some queer issues or something. Maybe we'll pay him a little bit of mind, right? That's that's way more kind of like you can see that visually being a potential success route than anything hardcore leftist. There's there's like can you name like everyone's going to say Hassan, but is Hassan is like he's an anti-capitalist? Sure, is he an avowed anarcho-communist? He is, is he an avowed anarcho-syndicalist? Uh, is, is he telling you every single day, hey, after you're done reading Fanon, you better be reading The Conquest of Bread, and when you're done with that, you better be reading fucking Luxembourg, and when you're done with Luxembourg, you better because those those kind of people like they they are a niche, you know. It, it's a very that 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 one I, I I don't see there being this massive massive fucking like and then people just overflowingly moving or gravitating towards that in terms of money in terms of money where do you think all the money's at where where, where where do you think like drifting to the right of course like leftists joke about that every fucking day they're always like holy shit yeah i i don't get phone calls despite the rumors i i don't get the soros phone calls I don't get the big trans lobby phone calls. I've never had a single fucking organization contact me and been like, Lance, we see that you're for trans rights. I am. Well, because of that, we want to give you lots of money. I knew it. I knew if I talked about trans rights for a long enough time, I would get the phone call and then I would get all the monies. Awesome. Okay, cool. I'm over this now too. That's going to be the end of this one. One another for uh, you know, a particular niche, a particular ideology that's reflected in these audiences. And I think I'm probably self-sabotaging right now, career-wise, <laughs> but I don't know. I just, the, the problem is once you see certain things, you can't unsee them. Right. And I, I, right. I can't, I can't, I can't just lie. I, I can't do it with a straight face. It's just not who I am. What, what do you mean? Are you talking self-sabotaging by talking to us or talking about these things in general? Because I, I, I randomly clicked and I feel personally attacked with the ANCOM thing. No, I'm not talking shit about ANCOMs. I, I, a lot of my best friends happen to be anarchists or communists or a lot of people who who deal in those kind of, you know, uh, let's just say ideology. But like I'm saying the idea of someone pivoting hard left for fiduciary or or grifting reasons, I don't see the basis for that presenting itself in any viable numbers like big name leftists of that type like Hakeem uh, might be up there second thought you could say second thought has got a massive channel but even then second thought didn't become a massive channel by virtue of being a hardcore leftist right um but there isn't really like a a, a pathway I can't I can't see that you know oh I mean in a good way okay awesome I, I would track all my previous statements like it, it's an interesting dynamic that we have here on the internet because i do agree with you and we've talked about this on the show many many times like the incendiary voices in the political space are the ones that get attention blow their channels up get views you know become rich basically yeah conflict yep. entrepreneurs is what i always call them and we we're in a kind of a you know we are in the same kind of position that you've kind of come to like we want to give an honest a fair assessment of both sides of the argument and try to kind of come to some sort of truth and one of the, the paths that I think we've kind of fell into is just, I think us, Sitch and I arguing points makes it interesting enough that we can kind of build an audience. And watching the um, watching the videos of you last week, it kind of feels like that's kind of the direction you're going. It seems like Jank is saying over the top things <laughs> and, and you're reeling him in, which is, I, I, I got to tell you when I'm watching your show, I'm going, oh, look, Anna is just like Sitch. She won't let Shank have any fun. Are you saying you're the one saying over the top things? Look, constant. <laughs> okay, I'll watch the clip that you all want me to watch then. Because everyone's like, you have to play this clip when they start talking about her going after Jank. What I love about him, I just think he's a one of us. Instead. I know he's very rich, but he's, he has our values, you know, and has our back. 
Describe that for me. It's terrible things, does terrible things. You don't mean family values. So what values are you talking about? Oh, you know, uh, he uh, believes in putting parents in charge of children. That means I don't like gay people. I'm sorry, that's what no, it means. that means he wants to be able to make a decision or help. A decision about want, what? He doesn't want schools making decisions about for his kids. About gay people. It's and, and racism, right? He doesn't want racism taught. Those are the two issues, Anna. Those are the okay, two issues. That is your interpretation. None of that was actually said. It is what you have taken out of his statements there. You're right. Like, yeah, okay. Okay, right, and, and hey, so by the way, guys. That. Oh, by the way, guys. Okay, we have a different. I saw Look, the tape. I don't agree. I've seen a hundred tapes. I tanks. don't agree with that guy. Let me be clear about that, okay? But putting words in his mouth, I think, is unnecessary. You can actually address what he said there without extrapolating and implying that he said something that he didn't actually say there. So what, what's the benign interpretation? He's worried about taking jobs when we have 3.7 unemployment, record unemployment. He's not worried about losing jobs. He's worried about losing you, his you culture. Up, you just straight up said, you just totally disregarded everything he said. No, I didn't. I went exactly on what he said. You boiled it down to, he's just racist. That's what you boiled it down because to. Because that is what he's saying. Okay, that's your interpretation. What of do it. you that's think? Fine. There's a lot. Okay, I got to watch the full context. Now I need to know. We had somebody earlier tell us that if he was, if Trump was standing on the steps of the White House and murdered someone, he'd still right. vote for him. Same with you. Mm -hmm. How come? I don't know. I like Trump. He just got some about him. Think there's anything that bothered uh, classified documents, sharing them with people who weren't, um, didn't have that security clearance. Does any of that bother you? No, I think they've been after him so long that all of this is just a witch hunt like he described it. I don't think there's anything Trump's done wrong. I think that the desperate opposition is just after him. I mean, they started out, you know, and they've been after him eight different ways, and they're going to keep after him until they can get him in jail, I think. It, they, they went after Richard Nixon, they went after Bill Clinton, and now the courts in several different states are finding different things about Trump. Is there anything that could happen with him indictment-wise that would say, all right, maybe this disqualifies him for president? Not for me. I'm with him to the finish. All right, thank he you so much. Could, he could stand on the front steps of the White House and, and commit murder, and I'm with him. <laughs> Love about him. I just think he's a one of us. Instead, I know he's very rich, but he's he has our values, you know, and has our back. Describe that for me. What are uh, what are your values that that Donald Trump shares with you? Then uh, parents in control of their children, you know, uh, being able to make choices for your family. America's being assaulted. Open borders. Uh, you know all the issues. We all know the issues. And nobody stood under the attack that Trump stood under. And look what he's done. He's hanging in there. He's for us. He loves this country. And I'm going to support him to the end. I hope he wins. We need him. Biden, to me, if he had not been a career politician, he might have been better. But he's lived in Washington all his life. I think we need term limits. I think we need to stop all these old people from running Washington, D.C. is corrupt. Well, the old people, I mean, Trump isn't, there's not a huge difference in age. Yeah, I, I should rephrase that. The old people that's been in Washington all their life. And one of the other things that... They're corrupted by Washington. That's a totally fair point, okay? So, it's and, and racism, right? He doesn't want racism taught. 
Those are the two issues, Anna. Those are the okay, two issues are in the schools. Okay, those are not the two issues. Okay, one. Okay, one of the issues that you're totally downplaying right now, not even mentioning, is that some school districts want to. Let's say a student comes out and identifies as transgender. School districts want to support that student and you know help him or her through that transition without ever having to notify the parents. I think there are issues there. Okay, and I do not begrudge parents for being concerned about that. Anna, you, you, I agree with you. But you are finding a sliver of an issue. Yeah, I was I was like, you are highlighting a hyper-specific thing when the broader discussion and problem right now is that no, there's a huge amount of bigotry that is being directed towards trans people, trans kids too, and they're having a lot of troubles as a result of it. That's that's where the focus should be, not being like what I want to interpret from this guy, what I think he said, what he what he meant to say, actually I should specify this is that uh you know there's there's probably a specific issue that uh, he just takes uh issue with that is uh, a wedge issue that obviously the right's been using to be able to entertain these kind of topics as debates rather than being about civil rights and restricting people's health care issue that guy's not talking he doesn't even know that hey that all that joke. guy knows and not, what 98 percent of them know is i don't like them teaching about gay people in school okay and i don't like them saying oh we were racist back to slavery and jim crow and redlining Come on, we know what it means. That's 98% of their efforts in schools. And then when he says open borders, there aren't actually open borders. What he's saying is, I don't like Latino immigrants. They don't look like me. I, agree I don't with like them. That's my values. I agree with Jenkins. Sorry, sorry. Republicans, I wish you were better. Not all of you, but a lot of you. The MAGA guys, that's why he says, as long as you're like Racist. us, I don't mind if you shoot someone on Fifth Avenue or in front of the White House. I don't mind because you're us and not them. Keep it real. And that's what you're seeing. And that's, by the way, also why they're never, never going to turn on him. Not all of them, but hardcore MAGA never, ever, ever, ever going to turn on Trump. Why? Because he is them. He is them. They see him, they're like, that guy's just as racist as I am. I like it. DeSantis has an ad out now about how much he hates gay people more than Trump does. And that's that might hurt him because they're like, oh, I thought Trump hated gay people as much as I do. Right? So when he says values, he means the opposite of values. I watched all the tapes. All of them say he's like us, 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 us. They don't mean all of us. They mean, and when you ask them about the issues, they always go to, I don't like Latinos, I mean immigrants. I don't like gay people, I mean, a per, I want parental control in schools. So that's the reality, you can see it all over the tapes. That is your interpretation. None of that was actually said. It is what you have taken out of his statements there. You're right. Like, yeah. Okay. Okay. Right, and, and hey, so by the way, guys. That. Oh, by the way, guys, you guys all be the judge. Just okay? like anyone can watch the statements you made in regard to the story out of Israel today and say, uh -huh. you know, I, he said what he said, and I could either take what he said at face value or just put words in his mouth and call him an anti-Semite. That would infuriate you, no? Anna, okay, look, we have a different interpretation. Okay. okay? We have a different. I saw look, the tape. I don't agree. I've seen a hundred tapes. I tanks. don't agree with that guy. Let me be clear about that, okay? But putting words in his mouth, I think, is unnecessary. You can. This is the same problem with what happened with Nick Merckx, where everyone gets to play, like, where everyone has to play defense in the other direction, right? Nick Merckx is like, hey, by the way, uh, just leave kids alone. Well, then obviously it's like, well, that's all he was saying. And is that a controversial statement? Leave kids alone. What's wrong with that? Why, why is everyone, why in the world would that warrant having, uh, you know, the removal of your skin off Call of Duty? That's all you're saying. It's an uncontroversial statement at the end of the day.
constantly, constantly. And Sitch is like the, no, Adam, you know, that's that we don't know that yet. So, but I think our audience understands that there's, there's a little bit of a dynamic going there that that's fun, but at the mm -hmm. same time, they are getting the information. So yeah. unfortunately for my reputation, it's like, don't listen to Adam. You know, he's always. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. I mean, again, credit to Jank because he, he's not like one of these like people who get super offended if you correct him right there on the spot. It's just, I kind of went along with some of the more hyperbolic commentary, mostly because I was reading the same sources and I mm. had the same, you know, I think he's doing better and better. Like we have converse, we have a lot of conversations about a lot of these issues privately. And I'll just be like, look. <laughs> <laughs> so Sitch does the same thing to me. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just be like, look, look, I, I mean, before he was going to go, he asked me if he, if I thought it was a good idea that he was going to go debate destiny. And I said, no. Um, <laughs> and it's mostly because I just, I see a lot of clickbaity stuff going on in that realm too. Like with some of the debate stuff that takes place, but also I asked him like, what are you guys going to debate? So first he said, oh, we're going to talk about like the democratic party and our disagreements about it. I, I was fine with that. But then he mentioned, he's like, and then we're gonna talk about Rittenhouse. Um, and you no! probably, so, yeah, he, and then, so he knew Rittenhouse was going to come up. Yeah, yeah, they, I think they agreed on the topics ahead of time. Okay, um, wow, okay. And, and, you know, we had a, look, I, Jake is his own man. The best I can do is, is share my perspective. And I just told him, I was like, but he was acting in self-defense. Like, <laughs> but, but look, look, Jake just has a different perspective. It is what it is. Like, I'm not here to talk shit about Jake. You of know, course. like we, we, and again, I want to give him credit because I can do, we can have the conversation on air, this exact conversation. And he's going to say the exact same thing. I'm going to say my piece. And it's not going to lead to like an uncomfortable relationship with him. It's not going to lead to retaliation. And I really commend him for having an open mind. But to him, he just couldn't, he just disagrees about it being self-defense. He thinks like he didn't need to like shoot the gun. He didn't need right, to kill right. people. I hear you. I wish, I wish it didn't end that way. But if I were in his shoes, yeah. I, I would have done the same thing. Yeah. I, you know? I probably would have prayed and sprayed. So, I mean, <laughs> Rittenhouse did the right thing. Like, it's a good thing he was uh, in control of the weapon instead of me. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's funny that, like, yeah, this gets thrown around a lot. Like, people accuse you of grifting or other people of grifting when they start. Why do this at all? Like, are, are you not allowed to say the, the broader discussion shouldn't be focused on whether or not at this specific instance, this is a justifiable instance of self-defense at this moment? Or uh, from a media analysis, did the entirety of corporate media focus on the Black Lives Matter protests as being violent when the statistics and data, once it came out, showed that they were overwhelmingly not violent? I'm showing you that, that report in Time Magazine that says 93% of all Black Lives Matter protests in that period were non-violent. And that's not what the media talked about, though. It was consistently like, look at the looting, look at the targets, look at the burning fires, look at the cop cars, look at how all the fabric of society is falling apart. And it's, it's very structured. Uh, the left have lost their minds. They're demanding things like defunding the police. The only people who could possibly save us in this position, they want to take away all their funding. And then now look what's going on. This entire thing is run wild. Like that's that's what if you are someone with either a media empire or the ability to analyze media professionally is, is what you would have to start going towards looking at. Right. Instead of being like, hey, in this instance, I just want to say that the left, they got a lot of things wrong. You didn't carry a weapon across state lines. They lied to you about that. What does that say about them? How does that say, broadly speaking, about the left as a, as a, you know, political movement? Changing their beliefs, even though it's like, like you're changing your beliefs in a way that would like be more likely to hurt your career as opposed to help it. I know, I like, know. Yeah, it's like insane because, you know, what, like what so many people on the internet want is they just want you to choose one side very comfortably and to like fit into it and to just say like, these are the hyperbolic talking points. And then if you're like, well, let's add some nuance here. 
which pisses off your audience more often than not. You're like, well, you're a grifter. Like, well, who am I grifting to exactly? So, okay, so I'm going to stick up for my audience a little bit because um, to their credit, I think the majority of people in the audience are open-minded and are mm -hmm. open to new information. I think that there is a small but very loud minority in our audience and on the left in general that really give the left a bad name. I think mm -hmm. they're overrepresented on Twitter and they're children. They act <laughs> like children. I think some of them literally are like minors and they see everything and look, if they're young, I don't blame them. I think when you are young, it's it's a little more difficult to grasp nuance and how complicated and complex a lot of these issues are. You know, one of the favorite, one of the things that Jesse Single says all the time that I love, and he says it repeatedly, is it's complicated because it is. Like all of these issues are way more complicated than that the way they're like being portrayed in partisan media. <laughs> and so, what? Sure, but Jesse Singal is intentionally pushing a narrative that is incredibly transphobic that's why people have been pointing out hey if you're going to have an article especially an article in a prominent magazine if it's going to be a fucking a big event and you give a microphone almost exclusively to either detransitioners or people who are activists against the trans community when this is a situation in which if you did journalistic integrity and you know what you're supposed to do not malpractice you would investigate it you would look into it you would find out very quickly that every major medical association in the united states agrees on gender affirming care and that's something that globally most of the research on this topic have pointed towards being a benefit. You would look at the fact that meta-studies on this have shown that less than 4% of people who transition detransition later in life, even if they receive gender-affirming care early in life, and that detransitioners overwhelmingly report social stigma as the reason for their detransition. So that would have been what Jesse Singal would have found out if he had done research. If he was ideologically driven to push a narrative, one that is going to be beneficial to the far right, by the way, whether or not he wants that or cares about that, still, if he's going to be like, hey, it's complicated. And I just want to say that based on a couple stories with people I'm going to interview who, again, they wanted to detransition later in life, it looks like there could be some medical malpractice going on here. One that like the mainstream media simply won't talk about, even though that's all the mainstream media would talk about. That's the story in the New York Times. That's the opinion piece in the fucking uh, the BBC or just the actual articles in the BBC. It's constantly like we're here to talk about the trans debate and we're going to be fair and or balanced, TM. And so in this debate, we're going to position on one side, this side here, it's going to be detransitioners. And on this side, we're going to interview maybe one activist or something. Uh, but basically, the majority of the article will be talking to detransitioners and all the horrors and atrocities they've experienced uh, through this medical malpractice. And this is this is the debate. And then it's like, what's the scientific community doing about this right now? Oh, they're not debating it. No, no, there's a consensus, actually, a broad consensus amongst every major medical association in the United States. Actually, yeah, the science is kind of kind of solved on this one. Yeah, and an and overwhelming amount of data on this in terms of studies, uh, in terms of research, in terms of the, the efficacy and safety of these procedures, as well as the potential positive outcomes show that it is actually incredibly beneficial. That's so that's that's where science is at. I mean, if you want to do a whole ideological thing, you can go with that now. Now's your opportunity to get out there, Jesse. I want to do is actually understand those complexities. But here's the other thing. Understand the other side in good faith, okay? Because I think that there are some stereotypes that the left has kind of bought into about what the arguments are on the other side. And, you know, it doesn't make us sharper to misrepresent what the other side is actually saying. It actually mm -hmm. makes us weaker. If you understand what their arguments are, it'll then allow you to reflect on what your own weaknesses might be in regard to the arguments that you're making. And but when it comes to things like this, we're talking about a situation which, you know, I, I have been on the Adam and Sitch show to debate them directly on these kind of issues, right? And 
Fair enough. They're centrists, so uh, I, I will label them as anything that milk-tills fence-sitters aren't, you know, perfectly balanced as all things could be. But they do give me and push back uh, with a lot of the right-wing talking points that I've also heard from right-wingers when I argue or debate with them. When it comes to trans issues, it seems like a consistent, well, we need to be able to have a debating discussion about this and no one wants to do it. And you just get in trouble if you try. I mean, you, you say the wrong thing. You, you speak out of turn. You, you use one wrong pronoun and they'll come for you. Then, then the canceling begins. You'll have your entire career destroyed. And, and leftists have lost their minds. They don't want to accept how authoritarian things have become. And like, none of that's true. It's like I, I have, as a public facing figure, fucked up so many times, especially when it comes to trans issues. And the trans community has consistently, in very kind terms, told me when I was wrong. Asked, hey, can you take things down? Hey, that's not right. Oh, by the way, Lance, yeah, I know you mean well, but this ain't it. It's never been a like, so Lance is now forever transphobe. He's been he's been labeled with that. He is now going to be known as that for all time, and no one must ever associate with him. He is he is one of them now. And so, right. and then one other thing, and this was an unexpected, this was an unexpected outcome that I was talking to my husband about just last night. I've been a lot happier lately, like a lot happier. And yeah. I think it's because once you actually, and look, I, I want to make the distinction and. and like draw out a caveat. I'm not talking about like far right, like militia members. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about just mainstream conservatives, Republicans, whatever. Once you actually understand what their arguments are or where they're coming from, it's a lot more difficult to be hyperbolic about things, right? Yeah. And so you kind of start seeing the world around you. But like, I, I speak as someone who has made a great effort to try and communicate with a lot of those people. And the only thing I can completely agree with on Anna is yes when you speak to right-wingers I hung out with a bunch of right-wingers when I was at Tim Pool's compound from the people who drove me to the people uh, I was conversing with there to fucking the general staff and and people he lives with all super nice people no question the drivers incredible conversations we spoke for 45 minutes about stuff I do not often speak to with my liberal or leftist friends about completely different topics for sure and yes I got to a lot of those same points you know what was wild about those conversations though is I could find the breaking points where they had reached the limits of what the right had lied to them about and at which point they wanted to know more so that's the scary thing is that maybe it's not every single right winger is just a racist transphobe at the end of the day no but like Broadly speaking, society is racist. We're all fucking living in a white supremacist society where a lot of this shit is being reinforced. And so it's easy to default sometimes when people are talking to you about things in which it's just, it's safer and simpler. It's like, hey, by the way, just want to say, did you know that these statistics kind of misrepresent this kind of thing? That you're like, oh yeah, okay, sure. I guess so. That's easy, easy to slide into that rather than like, well, you got to deprogram a handful of the stuff. Broadly speaking, there's a lot of shit when it comes to this to unpack. And there's a lot of societal, historical, and uh, reasons maybe outside of, you know, a, 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 a first glance would show you about this particular topic. For what it really is. And there's a certain amount of fear that kind of starts to dissipate, a certain amount of like hyperbolic thinking that starts to go away. And you start to see things a lot more clearly. And the world isn't as messed up as people would have you believe. And that's a good thing. Now, some yeah. people might get super offended at me saying that because they, they've completely bought into the hyperbolic thinking and they think the world's coming to an end. And there are terrible things happening. I, I don't want to minimize that, but right. we need to be realistic about what's actually transpiring in the country. And for areas where we need improvement or different policy solutions, we should actually have good faith debates about it and come up with those solutions. And I think that the as a cis person, I'm going to say this again, I'm not facing persecution for living and existing as a cis person. That's not happening. 
I'm seeing an overabundance of bills trying to be passed and effectively being passed in the United States that directly target trans people. So I could say, hey, it doesn't actually directly affect me and things aren't as bad as people would have you think. Honestly, I mean, unless you're trans, which is, you know, less than 2% of the population based on statistics that we have right now, um, it's probably not going to have to affect you. You don't have to worry about them passing this. And it's like, well, it's broad sweeping and seems to be very heavily funded by Christian nationalist movements that are trying, even for the minority of people, to push draconian measures that across the board are very bad for Americans. And like... The, the 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 Christian movement in the United States right now, especially with the power they've they've assumed through the Supreme Court, they are unraveling a lot of protections that exist for people who are marginalized, marginalized groups, and they are doing it rapidly, and they are showing their hand. And yes, the violence and rhetoric towards LGBTQ plus people is fucking loud, especially if you're queer. When you're queer, it feels a lot scarier and louder, and you kind of just sit there when you read all those headlines. You're like, God damn, someone just randomly stabbed three people in this fucking school in Canada because it was a gender course. That's really fucking scary. And that doesn't directly impact me because like, I'm cis, so the gender I associate with is already taken for granted in society broadly speaking but that's fucked and there's like another mass shooting someone just shot up a power grid people are shooting fucking bud light cans because now they're fucking thinking that those cans are trans and all this shit that's just ramping up on a daily like yeah the, the endless bills upon bills upon bills that are being fucking proposed i mean yeah if you like disconnect if you decompress if you just take a step back and you, and you just do your day-to-day -day, it's not nearly as as aggressive as if you spend time online of course because online especially if you are on social media it is ai driven content you are being fed content that they know is going to keep you watching you're not going to turn away because you're like oh well this is this is some inflammatory content all right but that doesn't mean that that is not a real real world problem that is directly impacting a lot of people and there's not a very clear march towards fascistic beliefs amongst the right and the right movement right now the current discourse is standing in the way of that mm -hmm. that's, we, we, that's really fast i never thought about that because but it makes perfect sense if you know people go into the politics and they have this very like the other side is either composed of like all racists who want to enable you know some kind of fascistic regime against me right. or like yeah. the other side is all made of like you know communists who want to take over the country like it's going to put you in this headspace you're like oh my god like i'm in this fight for my life like this is like the most important thing ever and then you're like well once you start to see like well yeah there's like there's small pockets of that that exist but the average person is not that you're like oh my god this this weight has been lifted from my shoulder i don't feel like like the world you just said the part out loud. You just said, you just said the whole thing that I was just doing. <laughs> that was, that's my bit. That was, that was my, but then you take a step back and realize it doesn't directly affect you. So you're kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, maybe things aren't as bad as everyone's making it out to be, you know? Yeah. Hey, they came for the trans people and I said nothing. Because I was like, at the end of the day, that's where it's going to stop. Always has, right? Historically. The world is about to end. Yeah, yeah totally. I want to say two things. Uh, first of all, and I, I don't know your take on Jordan Peterson, but it is like... Uh, the first rule is tell the truth, and I feel like coming to a place in your life Putting where you're like, I feel like I'm Peterson. honestly telling the truth now, I can see where that would make me feel completely better. I'm one of these people who just- Jesse and Color, I'm so glad it's no big deal for cis people. I know. I mean, if you just stop caring, if you ignore the news and stop thinking about it, ultimately it doesn't directly affect me right now. So it's actually kind of nice. I mean, the fact that, you know, because of this whole hysteria that's been built by the right, they're actually coming after cis people as well, but they're mostly coming after cis women, it seems right now. So as a cis man, hey, <laughs> yet another victory for the boys. Am I right? <laughs> hates thinking I'm being dishonest or if I'm in a position where I'm forced to be dishonest for a job or something like that. Mm -hmm. I just, oh, it's horrifying for me. So, and I do think it is kind of po uh, politically expedient for a lot of people to categorize far right, racist, Nazi pieces of shit who, you know, <laughs> none of us are in favor of, 
for moderate Republicans who just want, some, mm -hmm. you know, they have a different spin on some sort of policy prescription. This was just passed out at Trump's True Believers at the Pickens rally for MAGA, quote, national justice includes securing a permanent white majority, a ceiling on Jewish representation, defense of gun ownership, ending the second party platform and restructuring public education. The platform for National Justice Party. National Justice Party. Sounds familiar. Securing a permanent white majority was number one. Equal right, equal rights for the white majority was number two. A 2% 2 ceiling on Jewish representation. 2%. Wow, how nice of y'all. We're Nazi light, okay? We're not looking for extermination. We're just trying to limit the numbers. Which my thinking of the world is... You know, you've got the, the conservatives on the right who are kind of playing defense for society, and you have liberals and progressives on the right who are kind of, or on the left who are kind of playing offense for society. They're the ones that are pitching all of these crazy policies for making society better. And conservatives are kind of saying, well, we're kind of good where we are now. Should we take the risk of doing this? And you really need, I mean, what sports team doesn't, that doesn't have a good offense and a good defense is going to be a, a winning team? So a lot of the political polarization I see is part of the problem here. And one of the nice things about you is start, starting to realize, you know, there are people on the right that aren't just crazy, insane racists. And maybe you can communicate their arguments clearly to your audience, which is. A so, I mean, there's a lot of stuff being passed in a lot of different areas of the United States by the right uh, on a state level that is happening because, yes, of right wing extremism and a march towards passing very draconian anti LGBTQ plus laws. Not only is it anti LGBTQ plus laws, but it's also like look at the anti CRT laws that are being passed, anti woke laws that are trying to be passed. Just like it's cartoonish nonsense, doesn't help people at all. But it's basically we are culture war 100% through and through. We offer you nothing except we will end wokeness. It's great because wokeness is an idea. So we can just basically say we have a war on wokeness, kind of like the war on terror or the war on drugs. You know, it'll just go on forever and ever and ever. So uh, yeah, that's the next one. We don't want to help anyone out. Sure. Um, they're also using what tools they have in terms of like, hey, Donald Trump was the president. Donald Trump appointed multiple people to the Supreme Court of the United States. Those people happen to be aligned with right-wing Christian conservative movements. In one case, one is a fucking right-wing conservative Christian movement cult fucking member. But either way, yes, they're utilizing that as well. They're stacking courts. They're stacking governors. They're doing that very effectively, far more effectively than Democrats do it. Democrats are now having effective pushback in my assessment in the United States in large part due to a strong pushback and a lot of women, by the way, not wanting their fucking bodily autonomy taken away to these fucking far right culture where culture war Christian nationalist bullshit policies that have been passed. Yes, that is driving people to the fucking polls more so than Pokemon Go ever fucking could because, yeah, it's like this is what they're doing right now effectively. And, you know, the Democratic Party, neoliberals and inept as they may be, they're not this. <laughs> so there's that. You can get out there and, and try to scrape back some of the rights that are getting eroded in real time rapidly before your eyes. A, a great position to be in. We might be able to deal with some of the political polarization. Yeah, I mean, I think there are. Look, I disagree with many of the policy ideas they have or the perspectives they espouse. But there are good faith, thoughtful conservative Republicans out there. Like, I think Glenn Lowry is a good example. You know, again, mm -hmm. I might not agree with everything he has to say, but he's a thoughtful person and right. he is not in any way um, justifying, you know, white supremacy or <laughs> some of the like hyperbolic things that he might get accused of um, mm -hmm. by those on the left. And again, it's really about understanding in good faith, the other side and being able to, I guess, debate the, the issues as opposed to like what I what I see happening right now is I want the left to engage in the argument as opposed to what I see happening, which is them engaging in like ad hominem in a lot, in a lot of cases, uh, character assassination or like 
statements about the individual's character based on their preconceived notions and based on what they heard other streamers say about the individual. It's like, okay, just take a step back for a second. You need to address the point that this person is making. And if you're not addressing the point that this person is making, and instead you're turning around and, and throwing all sorts of like accusations at them to make them seem like so I have debated a lot of people on the left. I've debated the one and only Ben Burgess live on my show. We were debating about things like cancel culture and those kind of ideas because he's big on the whole canceling comedians while the world burns is what the left has preoccupied itself with. Personally, for me, I can say first and foremost, I'm an entertainer. This is a political entertainment show. That's what you're watching. And I do cover a whole bunch of stuff from a leftist perspective because I my politics do line up with all of that. Uh, the left and all the debates I've had with them do not ad hom me the way the fucking right do not even close i know this is the feels right now this is a po here's a here's not a statistic by the way i'm, I'm just going to be giving y'all uh, one of my own anecdotes but goddamn on, on tim Poole's show i was called what in favor of uh, genociding autistic children in favor of genociding trans people and euthanizing trans and gay people just by virtue of them existing uh i was called a groomer and a pedophile supporter uh, i was called a groomer enabler uh, i was called a cultist uh i was after the fact said that i have a genetic predisposition to group think which is what they call like i didn't say shit while i was there I, I was not slinging fucking uh insults i was not fucking you know going after fucking oh yeah you would say that the beanie has fucking strangled your worthless cranium but none of that I was I was 100. Hey, okay, let's let's focus on the issues. Let's talk about this. Hey, by the way, here's the here's the data on this one. Here's the stats on that one. I don't I, I don't care for the the, the ad homes. Like in terms of uh, leftists, by the way, I I also hear this. And this I'm not saying you know this is coming from Anna. I hear this from right wingers who say this kind of shit. Who are like the left will never engage in debate. The left refuses. You know, Dennis Prager says it all the time. Oh. The left will not engage. And it's like, oh, Dennis, uh, Sam Cedar's on the line right now. He wants to debate you. Do you want to do that, Dennis Prager? No. He's not honest. It's not enough. He said I was divorced four times. Three. I've been divorced three times. They're immoral or they're bad people then that tells me that you don't really have an answer to what they're saying, you know? And I, I see that happening more when it comes to culture war related issues as opposed to economic issues. And that's the other thing. I mean, I think that the left has completely, and they'll, they'll deny this, but I mean, just go to Twitter right now. They've like abandoned economic policies and instead mm -hmm. hyper-focused on incredibly divisive, like ide identity related issues, right? Yeah. And right. yeah. And, and like their take is always, oh, well, the other side wants us just be, they're racist, that's why. They're yeah. transphobic, that's why. And it's like, no, you gotta do more than that. So mm -hmm. if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna refute what they're saying, then actually address the points they're making. And if you're not gonna do that, you're gonna come out looking incredibly weak and childish. You probably don't know this, but we talk about MMT and UBI on the stream quite often. <laughs> it, dri it drives people crazy. I mean, how do you make affordable housing sexy? It just, it's like, it's not necessarily no, a thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's, it's surprising because I did a story just last Wednesday uh, I, Tim Pool does the same thing. He'll be like, uh, just so you all know, uh, like I care deeply about some issues that leftists care about. I talked a lot about the Flint water crisis. Why won't you ever talk about that, Sam? Why won't you bring up that I talked like, I'm, I'm not disputing that you're, you might have a variety of takes. Everyone does. Everyone has a variety of different ideologies. To be totally honest with you, I don't even fucking really care about the labels as much as I care about people's like fucking actions and shit. Uh, they're useful for describing things. If I say, hey, by the way, John Doyle is a Christian fascist, it's because John Doyle has been on a megaphone calling out fucking the parents of LGBTQ children, uh, fucking, you know, scaring the fuck out of them while saying that he's a Christian fascist, saying that out loud. So his words, not mine, I think it is useful to be able to differentiate between a neo-Nazi like Nick Fuentes and say someone 
someone who has some right-wing ideology or is a conservative or even a rhino yes there's a difference between all these different groups right but if you're just like hey by the way i'm pro ubi uh, like they said that they were pro andrew yang uh, on the the podcast or sorry when i was on their show fine I, i'm not disputing that i'm not saying that you aren't you know centrist libs who want to vote for andrew yang when it comes to the and again this is not talking about you broadly speaking as a person it's the opposite of what anna seems to want right when talking about the specific issues when we get down to brass tacks here and if we're talking about trans issues you seem to reiterate or you know represent or reflect a lot of the stuff that you see on the right wing when it comes to culture war issues you can be as we clearly see on the left by the way there's a lot of economic leftists who that's the extent of what they want to talk about and they hate they absolutely hate people who talk about race queer issues that kind of stuff they hate it they, they always want to be no war but class war that's why i write for jacobin no no no. there's no such thing as this why are we always talking about race why are we talking about this uh you know kimberly crenshaw crt blah blah this is the right wings we we care about no war but the class war come on that's that's what's important and it's like okay but i'm like if you're going to come at something purely from an economic standpoint and that's why you say you're a leftist and you're like okay i you want to again want to liberate the workers have them own the means of production that in and of itself won't end racism it will not be ended overnight if we suddenly flipped over to socialism or even uh communism and so there are other aspects that we need to talk about uh and address that that are just realities then that there is going to be a different lived experience for someone who is say a black woman versus a white woman even if there was parity for women and men in the workplace right that's that's why there has to be a bit more of this uh, i i don't think identity politics uh is the problem on the left that a lot of those types make it out to be they they, they constantly say the left is like obsessed with identity politics oh it's like no liberals and conservatives are weaponizing what people call wokeism or identity politics they're weaponizing it and in large part against trans people and specifically trans people of color this is something that is happening in real time right now uh if people push back against that if they're like hey you're passing draconian laws that don't help society but will specifically make life worse for a very small percentage of the people who live within it it's not going to broadly speaking make anything better for anyone in fact it's just going to again marginalize the marginalized can we talk about this let's not pass this bill let's not pass these laws let's not dedicate resources to this this is a such a fucking reverse of, of evolution and society climbing towards betterment you know we're we're reg- Progressing so quickly if we waste time passing legislation on fucking wokeism. That's 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 what they want. This is what neoliberals, capitalists, and conservatives, all of them, all capitalists, by the way, this is what they all want. They want you to be hyper-focused and worried about uh, uh, trying to turn everything into id poll. Uh, that's what this is all about. Tricky id poll it is. Um, on Air- Airbnb crashing. And, I watched you know, that vid, yeah. Yeah, and that video... Kind of shocked. Yeah, we got like 200,000 views. It was not something I expected. I thought like, oh, it's a dense, like statistics-driven, you know, video. But it did well. And I think that there is a hunger for those types of videos and for that type of content. It's not yeah. going to go super mm-hmm. viral like some hyperbolic, you know, video about like a police shooting or about an alleged Karen, right? But I don't really care. Like, I, I, I just look. I don't want to be part of the problem. I don't want to add to this toxic discourse that does nothing to improve anyone's life. And I feel like I've been engaging in that and I feel embarrassed about it. And that's like, that's really where I'm coming from. I want to get people health care. I yeah. want to get people housing. Those are the issues that matter. <laughs> okay. Well, the, in, and, order, in order to do that. Cool. Good. And I am on board. And I'm never going to criticize Anna for any of that. 
I'm not. Why would I? Why would I? <laughs> See, for the people being like, Lance, the left is shooting its own. I'm not shooting anything that Anna has to say about fucking promoting universal healthcare in the United States or housing, universal housing. Hell no. In fact, I'll promote it. Someone's like, hey, Anna just spoke out in favor and is getting viral traction for this. I'll be like, awesome. That's good. That's good. That's that's better than her getting viral traction for saying that, you know, the erasure of women by calling them birthing people is a thing or by saying that, you know, Jesse Singal isn't a transphobe or by pointing out that, like, you know, there's some dangers the left is refusing to accept about puberty blockers when it's like, what? What? No, no, no. This is, this is a healthcare issue. That's something that should be discussed primarily by, again, scientists, experts, doctors and, and parents of kids, not strangers on the internet with the internet shows what no so for for that yeah obviously i'm not i'm not, I'm not ever going to push back on leftists who are advocating for fucking uh universal health or, or housing or, or, or things like that but these things we're, we're like we can walk and chew gum we can have nuanced conversations multiple things can happen simultaneously right i can have a take that you probably deeply disagree with and or hate and also you might really really agree with my take on other thing Right, like that's a a thing that everyone can can uh, can do. Right, I've have seen leftists criticize me from leftist perspectives, being like, "Oh, Lance is wrong on this one because of blah blah blah." And hey, that's it's well within everyone's right to do. I don't think they're canceling me. I don't think uh, you know. Again, I don't think the canceling is this happening. You kind of have to work with Republicans, and that's where I think this. Yeah. No, Lance, I assure you, the anti-trans and sports legislation in Montana that affects one middle schooler was necessary. One. That's not a meme. By the way, that's not a that's not a surf.tv meme. That's that's reality. It, it literally is going to apply to one person. Well done, Montana. You're really benefiting society. How many hundreds of thousands of dollars of taxpayer dollars went into all the meetings and sessions and all the fucking shit that took place until that went from being an idea to something that has passed into fucking legislation? Good job. Good job. Yep. Yeah. Again, millions of dollars that could have been used towards so many other things, but you did it. You did it. Now society's safe from that one kid who maybe wanted to play some sports stereotype of republicans as evil racist is ultimately not helpful in the end if you want health care you can't work with the evil racist to get health care done you just can't do it well i mean it's hilarious because okay let's put health care aside for a second because here's the other thing the far left will push ideas that are not popular with the general public right yes. so i think that protecting you know, marginalized communities, protecting the transgender community is important. However, when you move out of or move far away from making sure that they are not denied housing, making sure that they're not denied health care, when you move into like these more fringe areas of like, I mean, there was a story out of the UK this week, blows my mind. Uh, there was an LGBTQ group in the UK who suggested that instead of referring to uh, vaginas as vaginas, because it might be offensive to transgender men, um, you know, one of the potential replacements or substitutes could be oh my god yes so this is just distractive culture war bs this is the exact thing that you've been calling out this whole video being like oh the left is hyper focused not on the issues they're hyper focused on the culture war what's going on here uh so we live in a time right now where there is fucking hundreds of bills being proposed that are directly going to affect trans people that's where the focus should be if I wanted to distract everyone from that real-world danger that is actually occurring, I would talk to them about fringe issues. I would talk to them about issues that, hey, by the way, this is not an actual thing yet, but it was proposed, and where do you get this? Yeah, listen to how wild the alphabet has gotten, okay? If you <laughs> settle, just, like, sit down. Wait for this one. Bonus hole. Oh, no. <laughs> bonus hole? Yeah, bonus hole. Okay. And, oh, no. listen... Shoe on Head is here at Shoe on Head. You noticed that too, eh? <laughs> Shoe on Head has been doing this art for a while. Oh, of course.
But is this a real issue? Is this plaguing the cis community right now? Are cis women worried on a daily basis? Hey, you can have your rights stripped from you. How do you say? Oh, is it the right who are basically eroding Roe v. Wade protections and trying to get rid of any kind of protections that I might have for bodily autonomy? No, no. So one group in another country has suggested that perhaps it's offensive to use the term vagina. So they're going to change it to something else that's more PC called a bonus hole. So. What do you think about that, eh? Kind of, kind of scary. Kind of a, an issue, a real thing that we should worry about. People don't like- I love that shoe on head is in this chat. Shoe on head, it happened to you too. Welcome. And by the way, I've noticed you, you I, I'm, I'm, I haven't been calling you out to all the right wingers in the Twitch chat. I've, I've, don't worry, I've noticed you. You've been, because you've been darling. You honestly have. You're not, you're not being in any way offensive. You're obeying the rules. You're, and so I have no reason to want to like time you out or ban you. I'm seeing it, but I'm seeing all of you salivating. Every now and then there's going to be another one of you that either has like a Pepe or, you know, the monocle one be like, oh, Anna is changing teams over so ready for you Anna open door policy blah 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 and of course that has people on the left you're gonna be like see see this is why Lance is the problem this purity testing piece of shit Lance on his soapbox gonna do these issues is he going after the levers of power right now or is he just criticizing fellow people you know someone he used to work with and be a colleague with is that what he's really concerned with well we're so ready we're so ready to get Anna on our side. And I've seen you. I've seen all of you on Twitter, too. I've seen the replies. I've seen the blue check marks all of a sudden being like, finally, someone's speaking up for white rights. Finally, someone's speaking up for fucking uh, men's rights. Someone's speaking up for the fucking, you know, this anti-cis agenda, blah, blah, blah. The cis is a slur style crowds and all this kind of stuff. And again, it's all the people doing the fucking, sor uh, sorry, the uh, the oppression Olympics, you know. Uh, cis is a slur. Cis is the worst uh, slur that any person can be called. Oh, my God. Can you believe the pain that cis people have to undergo being called cis? I mean, Never mind fucking using the term turf. <laughs> we just jumped past that discourse. We went so far beyond. It was like the, the idea of turf being a slur was just leapfrogged over to cis being a slur. It's like, but that this is used in organic chem. It's Latin. It's 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 well established. It's within the medical community. It's in textbooks now. Doctors, if they're talking about things, especially in psychology related to gender affirming care, uh, stuff like that, they will use terms like cis and trans. This is this is not controversial amongst the scientific. What? This, no. This is not a, it's not a slur. What? Oh, no. Oh, so we're there now. All right. This stuff. Okay. <laughs> they might not, might not oh, no. be on Twitter talking about how much they dislike this stuff, but uh -huh. on average, every normie woman I've talked to is like, <laughs> I can't stand this stuff. Right. So, so what Jake and I recently talked about it. I, I think we talked about it in the context of, um, you know, trans athletes or whatever. Room. Ghost was, Thank you. Hey, we got to be a little more strategic because if you do uh, start this, us if made you start nine, pushing the mainstream too. Democratic Party to Dragon, run their you. campaigns on these like fringe issues, they might not get reelected or they might not get elected at all if they're running against a Republican in a district. And the response, and it's the same response we got when we made the same point about the stupid prison abolition movement, is we don't care. We don't care. This is the right <laughs> thing to do. We don't care. And it's mm -hmm. like, oh, okay. But then you complain. That's such a fucking uh, insult to a me who came in the best of faith onto TYT and was so kind in that debate. And like, you could tell there were multiple times when like Olaimi wanted to light them both up and was, was like, you know, being calm and measured and trying to explain this. And, and there were times in that debate where like Jank acknowledged that like, we agree on so many of these points. It's like, we both fundamentally oppose 
the language and the words you're using because it's just not going to be popular politically. I'm not here to argue whether or not the average normie wants prison abolition. I know they don't. I've seen the polls. I've seen what people understand about these topics. Even uh, defunding the police isn't an overwhelmingly popular uh, response, which is why I, I agree that, yes, if you want to advocate for things moving towards prison abolition, you have to be very, very crucial with your me messaging. As a leftist who would also want it, though, because that's where I'm coming from, I'm, I'm a leftist who agrees with prison abolition and agrees by, with the tenets of what you know Angela Davis says in the book I consistently recommend when it comes to prison abolition. I, I, I agree with it. And so while I do agree that the politics of it denote that if I want to advocate for abolition, I can't say abolition or those terms because people hear it and they're like, wait, do you want the rapists to run free? And it's like, no, I don't. Absolutely not. In fact, right now, the problem is that a lot of rapists are getting away with rape. I actually want less rapists to get away with rape. And here's what I want to talk about. As a society, do do we want to achieve outcomes and do those outcomes as a society broadly speaking do we want more or less people in prison the answer is less okay me too i want less people in prison so do we then have to enact and work towards methods and measures that we can observe and and reproduce that will result in more people or less people committing crimes and going to jail and as it turns out we can look towards other countries and models such as you know very heavily funded through imperialism but still sock dem nations that have much less punitive prison systems and much more restorative justice-based prison systems and also much bigger social safety nets for their citizens it's incredibly xenophobic i know non-white people coming into a lot of those countries have trouble getting the same social safety nets that they have there i'm not trying to get to that but is there a benefit to society in housing people, doing housing for solutions? Is there a benefit to society in, if we're doing incarceration, have it in such a way that we are trying to restore uh, someone's ability to function in society? Do we give them training? Do we do we torture them? Or do we educate them and try to find out why it is? What are the causes of uh, crime? Is it poverty? Can can we answer things like poverty? Can we provide people with education, housing, healthcare, and stuff like that? And does that reduce crime? It does. Okay, so cool. Let's reproduce this then. Let's do those. That's, that's what a lot of it is about. Way less than it is Oh, we're just going to get rid of any kind of protection that anyone should have against the, the bad guys. We just want the bad guys. That's what abolitionists truly want. The bad guys to run the streets and can like Joker style. Yeah, we just want a society of Jokers calling the shots about what Republicans are doing in various red states. So do you want more Republicans to get elected? And do you want more of these, you know? You know, look, I think that some of these laws that have been passed in various red states, for instance, uh, banning gender-affirming care for adults, you know, between the ages of 18 to 25, I think that's wrong. You know, I think adults should be able to make a decision about their own bodies. I do think that there is a worthwhile debate when it comes to, you know, hormone blockers and cross-sex hormones for children. And we should have that debate in good faith. Why should we be debating healthcare in that way, though? I'm saying from like, I'm not saying that you shouldn't push up against someone in general who tells you something that is, you you know, to be scientifically inaccurate, right? So if someone is like, hey, by the way, uh, it's it's genital mutilation of children uh, is what gender affirming care is. They cut off the penises of eight year olds. That's what it is. Like Steven Crowder tweeted out the other day. Of course, push back on that because it's not factually correct. You can be like, no, that's actually not a thing. That doesn't happen. There isn't uh, genital surgery for children who want to receive gender-affirming care. There is if they happen to have differences of sexual development, and that's usually parents deciding which gender they want their children to be, and then they make that choice unbeknownst to the kid, and the kid could grow up not knowing that that was a decision that was made upon them. But in terms of gender-affirming care for trans people, no, that doesn't happen. This is not a real thing. So yeah, push back against that. But that's you reiterating, and this is, I mean progressive leftist fucking content creators what the science is saying that's what i that's what i think we have a responsibility to do 
Like, no one, no scientist has a responsibility to go out and debate Joe Rogan. He's a fucking scientist. He should go do science shit with the rest of the scientists. And then they should debate amongst themselves through peer-reviewed studies, double-blind testing, a whole bunch of different mechanisms that are put in place to be able to try and get rid of biases. That's how they should be figuring out and determining the best course of action in terms of what science could actually benefit and ameliorate the human race and condition, right? Those kind of things. That's, that's what we leave to them. And then if people on the other end want to say, hey, I'm I'm on board and I want to fight for things like civil rights, I want to fight for things like trans rights, then it would behoove me to research that, what the scientists have figured out. And then using my platform of communication to reiterate that when you have especially a large platform of people who might not know those kind of things, rather than regurgitating the right wing fear mongering. Because this is another entry point. Puberty blockers are an easy one for right-wingers to talk about, specifically in the United States, because it still has not been FDA approved for the use with trans children, even though many uh, of the uh, tests results show that it is safe and effective and reversible in terms of using as a temporary measure to suspend undergoing puberty changes while you determine whether or not you want to go on HRT if you are in fact trans. Again, something that is done between the consultation of experts, doctors, patients, and parents. That's who should be concerned when it comes to this discussion. Not us, not cis streamers, podcasters, YouTubers to sit there and be like, well, I don't know. It sounds scary. Lupron is used in castration. Did you know that? Yeah. Lupron chemically castrates people. So why would you want to give it to kids? You want to chemically castrate kids? I mean, looks like it's something that could happen. Well, yes, in incredibly high doses. It's like any other kind of medication. I mean, Viagra could technically kill you. One of the side effects of Viagra is death. And if you were to take a large quantity of Viagra, I would assume that that would, could, could cause cardiac arrest pretty rapidly. Uh, that's different than utilizing Viagra responsibly under the supervision of a, a clinician and then eventually between two partners looking to have consensual sex. Those are two different uses of Viagra. One, yes, would kill you. The other one would give you a raging heart on. But Hopefully. I don't want the pendulum to swing far to the right. I would venture to say the left feels the same way, except I'm not so sure. Because to them, going on Twitter and patting themselves on the back for being the most pure is more important to them than strategy. It's more important than, to them than actually accomplishing the policies that they claim to want to accomplish. Every time I make that point, they'll be like, oh, but you don't even know. There are people on the ground, activists on the ground, working hard. No, no, no. Okay, so I'm, I'm not going to do the whole, like, you know, I am the one true leftist. I have done way more IRL work than you. I Like, who cares? everyone can flex in that in either direction but what does what we say in terms of public figures and advocate for have an effect on and do and further the politics of when it happens to be related to trans issues if you repeat debunked right-wing talking points if you use your platform to be like Jesse Singal is not transphobic and there are genuine concerns that people should have about the use of puberty blockers and whether or not they are safe and effective for children when you put that out there with your massive platform yes who does that serve? Whose politics does that serve? For the fucking the think tanks, the Christian nationalists, the right wingers, the far right, all those people who are trying to push hundreds of anti-trans bills, that helps them. It's 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 a political addition to all the things they're talking about because then they have it coming from a progressive. Ah yes, we're right. We're right. We're not just right wingers, but we're right. We're correct. We not only have the correct take on this, but look, even the left are calling out how far these trans uh, advocates have gone. 
how far trans ideology has gone out of control. Uh, even the left are calling it out now. Look, you know, you can see it coming from other people, people who were classical liberals like Bill Maher, people who were apparently, uh, you know, uh, definitely uh, leftists like Jimmy Dore, uh, people now like Anna Kasparian, who's a, a very prominent uh, and famous uh, progressive figure in these spaces. That look, look how the left is effectively calling out their own and how far things have gone because there is a danger to children after all. Hard to make this happen. And it's like, I mean, I'm not blind. I see what's happening in the country right now. So you mm -hmm. can tell me about, you know, your imaginary on the ground activists <laughs> making real change happen as we speak, but I'm not buying it. Mm -hmm. So it is what it is. And they can get as offended as they want. They can get as upset as they want. I don't really care. I'm just, I'm not a mouthpiece for anyone, any political party, any political group. My obligation is to share the facts of the story with my audience to the best of my ability, and then do good faith analysis on those stories. And if they don't like my analysis, they can make whatever decision they want about whether they support or watch the show. And that's why I say I might be engaging in a little bit of self-sabotage because I don't know what the outcome of all of this is going to be. You know, there is no big play here. I'm not leaving TYP. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And I don't know what the outcome will eventually be, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I have a kind of contentious take. I'm curious how you feel about it, where, you know, I look at the, you know, you, talk, you call them the small, loud minority on Twitter. You know, they, we have this kind of like far left identity obsessed, you know, we don't care about practicality. Kind of purity spiraling group of people and you know the reason i think that this is happening is that for whatever reason there's been this shift among a lot of young people especially online where there's a shift away from the philosophy of liberalism into more mm -hmm. of a socialistic philosophy and do you do you see that happening from your perception i do anna kasparian and lauren southern are two sides of the same coin I do uh you know i think that to some extent i i subscribe to that and Look, honestly, I'm I never would have known if, it, if I was trans if it weren't for people like Anna. It is garbage to watch this pivot. I can't imagine. Like, uh, again, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, it, it just it sucks. It fucking sucks. It really fucking sucks. Uh, it sucks because, again, it's when I, I can't even point towards uh, has no one spoken to her? Has no one reached out? Does no like because you have clips of Anna being completely 100% factually correct about this as, as much as 11 months ago. It's like 11 months ago, it's all of a sudden, here's Anna calling out people who are against inclusive language. Here's another clip of Anna calling out right-wingers who are trying to ban people in trans uh, sports, uh, and sorry, in cis sports, uh, and allowing trans people to participate. Here's Anna calling out a whole bunch of right-wingers who are, again, trying to say that this is child abuse. Here's Anna calling out a whole bunch of right-wingers who are saying that gender-affirming care has not, in fact, uh, you know, been approved by every major medical association in the United States, which it has, right? So you you know Anna knows all this, which, which is like, I, what was this... I know she mentioned her personal breaking point was elements of seeing how the, you know, the right and the left responded to say Kyle Rittenhouse and other like, you know, big stories like that. But like, at what point is it like, okay, well, you know what? I'm also just going to start throwing away all of the very, very loud and obvious evidence when it comes to the topic of trans individuals. Right. I'm at a point where I want to be a little more pragmatic because I want to accomplish, <laughs> I want to accomplish something. Um, I want to, I want to improve people's lives you know, as much as we possibly can. And when you have a maximalist approach, you're less likely to make that happen and you turn a lot of people off. You know, mm -hmm. because they're in this like echo chamber on Twitter, I think they're under the assumption that most Americans agree with them. I think most Americans want a mixed economy. We're currently a mixed economy. I wanna, you know, I definitely wanna socialize healthcare. That's like the area that I would say I'm, I'm the furthest left. Um, but I don't agree with the nihilism. I never have. I don't agree with burning down our institutions <laughs> because they're inherently racist or they're inherently this or that. I think that some institutions could use reform. I was totally on board for reforming policing. I was never once on board. I never once called for abolishing police. And so the abolish movement, I think, is insane. And I think the fact that I'm willing to say that has led to a lot of people hating me. And uh, I don't care <laughs> at all.
it's it's interesting because like I mean personally I'm not in favor. Yeah, I want a public option, but I'm not in favor of like you know economic socialism. But it's interesting mm -hmm. to me that that the movement it seems like currently it's kind of like the socialist energy in America right now seems to have drastically shifted away from economic questions entirely and to just to, to take yep. that kind of lens and put it on these cultural issues, specifically race. And that what? a lot of that has been a pushback from the right decidedly making this the centerpiece of what they offer to the world now. Like right wing ideology is hyper fixated on trans people, on LGBTQ plus people and fucking eroding as always classics like, you know, things like civil rights protections, you know, uh, anti-Semitic hate crime protections, shit like that. Uh, that, that that's people pushing back against it. That doesn't change the fact that the, the left is still decidedly celebrating every major fucking unionization, worker cooperative, fucking union rights that happen, uh, the spread of unionization and the popularity of it at an all-time high right now, uh, the mass unionizations of corporations like Starbucks, for example, even the start of unionization of, of giants you never thought would experience it, like Amazon. Yes, the left is behind all of that and promoting that shit on a regular basis. That is very bizarre to me. It's like we just kind of lost, you know, and this came up a lot with the affirmative action uh, Supreme Court ruling just happened where mm -hmm. I understand people criticizing the idea that they don't think a colorblind approach would necessarily bring about, you know, the left doesn't end in America. That's the other thing. Like when people point towards like, oh, the left is fucking just a bunch of culture warriors and identity politics uh, obsessed weirdos. It's like, uh, well, that seems to be a right wing interpretation of what the, I guess, American left is. Uh, there is monstrously huge leftist victories in South and Central America that have been going on for a while now. There's a monstrously, the biggest fucking uh, workers' rights protest in human history was the farmers' protests in uh, India. Like, there's tons of leftist movements and, and, and worker solidarity movements happening around the globe right now uh, with a lot of efficacy and power and support and, and rising support for that. And obviously a pushback that is coming from the right to the far right. And of course, yes, as, as capital withers in various countries and as neoliberalism and imperialism extract as many resources from a lot of these nations to feed the imperial core there's going to be a decided decision between in some cases literal legacies of dictators like fascist dictators legacies in some of these elections and socialists who are who are opposing differences like hey i, I do not support neoliberal economic policies i want to support socialist policies here is your options you can choose between these two racial equality or whatever like even if i disagree with that i understand what they're saying the thing mm -hmm. that's kind of frightening to me is people saying that the, the goal of colorblindness is either not likely, impossible, or not even desirable. And to me, that's a, a drastic shift. Like, okay, I understand you want to do things to get there, but the goal should still be kind of this liberal notion of colorblindness at the end of the day. Well, I have a book for all of you, if you haven't read it, and it's a collection of essays that uh, I'm not, I've only just started, but uh, Seeing Race Again. Uh, by a team of people, Kimberly uh, Williams Crenshaw, Luke Charles Harris, Daniel Martinez Hosang, and George Lipsitz, uh, talking about this very issue and uh, the idea of liberal colorblindness, which again, unfortunately, goes to su like support uh, and enforce and reinforce white supremacy. Because uh, yeah, it would be lovely for everyone to no longer see color, to judge people simply on the content of their character, but uh, that doesn't exist for racialized people is the problem. Then racialized people are racialized, broadly speaking, by society. We're going to be the ones to come forward and say, hey, by the way, uh, this is the thing that is happening. Now, there's been obviously a really, really big backlash that has happened since the promotion of liberal concepts of these topics, like, uh, you know, white fragility comes to mind, where all of a sudden, uh, you know, there's the idea that has been reappropriated by the right wing that suddenly it's like, all white people are born racist and there's racist white babies and race is actually a construct that is uh, embedded within time, which is also racist and all these kind of things. And you're just like, this is not what people are trying to talk to you about. It's not like 
all, all of the literature that I've read when it comes to either critical race theory or talking about the idea of race or colorblindness or all that kind of stuff usually points in the direction of, hey, people who are heavily racialized by society are pointing out differences in lived experiences and, and then saying, hey, by the way, this is nothing against you as a white person. I'm a white person. It's, it's not like, hey, Lance, you did this. You. You are responsible for it all, for the slavery, for the genocide, for all that shit. That's your your fault. You and all the other white people. That's That's the problem. No, it's recognizing how other people will have different lived experiences and how, yeah, if we do want to make a more equal society, then we have to recognize them. If we can't even recognize them, if we can't even point them out without people either becoming hyper-defensive and saying that it's anti-white racism to simply point out that people who aren't white aren't getting in some ways the same lived experience, then fuck, how, how, how are these concepts ever going to be uh, dismantled? How are you ever going to effectively uh, undo... Uh, an unfair advantage given to one group for arbitrary reasons if you can't even acknowledge that happens. You know, I would I would posit this question. When the culture wanted colorblindness, when that was like the, I guess, in general, the agreed upon goal, I feel like race relations were better. Like much right, better I than agree, they are yes. Today, right? yes. So, look, for I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I'm a little scared or head, like, I'm afraid of like talking to people who are outside of my race because I don't know if I'm going to unintentionally step in it, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, there's... Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that says more about you then. <laughs> yeah, it's something I'm always a little bit nervous of, you know, when you have a non-white in the room, you never know what's going to happen. If you, you slip up, you might say a naughty word or two, suddenly you're canceled. <laughs> there's, and I hate that. I hate that. Right. Like, th there's this, like, I don't know, it's like frigid... I, because like if the if all of the messages toward me and people who you know i'm armenian but still they call me white passing so you know just got to go with that right oh, God, people who look like me are constantly told you are inherently racist okay you are inherently a bad person mm -hmm. i mean if that's the start and i had this debate with jank when it came to our rhetoric in regard to the other side right Who's saying this? I've never heard, like, even the people who hate me have, have never come at me and been like, Lance, just so you know, because you're white, you were born racist as a white person. You were a racist baby. Just so you know, Lance, it's a thing. You fucking racist whitey, you know? And they called me all the slurs, and then the slurs came fast and furious, and it was really hard, and I had never experienced so much anti-white racism and all this kind of stuff. It's like, what the fuck are we doing? What are we doing? Um... Like, maybe I, 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 uh, here's my privilege. I, I come from a very multicultural friend group. I, I, like, my partner's not white. My, a lot of my best friends aren't white. I'm surrounded, but a lot of my best friends are also white. I mean, we're just, we're a little UN fucking Disney uh, animation of, of multiculturalism. And I know everyone doesn't have that. So some people are usually surrounded by a lot of people of either similar groups or demographics or ethnicities. I happen to be in a major city and grown up around a lot of different groups of people. So yeah, we, I have a very uh, multiracial uh, group of friends. So there's, there's my privilege and so when you speak to your friends obviously uh no i don't see race I, I don't sit down with my buddies and i'm like all right so there's my indian friend oh there's my black friend here comes my korean friend oh hi korean friend good to see you. oh there's one of my friends who's half japanese good to see you as well say hi to the the half japanese part and hi to the half white part as well you know say hi to your white mom and your your japanese dad for me and then all right let's talk about this can we can we ever truly see beyond our racial no these are just, these are just your, my fucking best friends we just hang out no, no one ever 
thinks about that kind of shit because you are obviously very comfortable in a group of people. A lot of the biases and a lot of the fucking racist programming or shit that we all don't even think about are unconscious biases, I should say. Uh, yeah, th- that can come up when you're having new experiences with, say, strangers and what's some of the first things you think. It's like, I'm interacting with a new human for the first time. Let's think of some of my, uh, you know, some of the skills and things that I've learned about different characteristics of people. You know, I've, I've learned to be able to have some street sparts. I know when people are being shady or tr- they're trying to grift me or people are trying to rip me off. I can tell about that. I can tell when people might be a little aggressive violently. But what exactly are you saying when you're thinking of all those things? Well, what are some of the biases that come up right away when you start thinking about those things? And how would those biases play out in, say, the criminal justice system? Because that's what cops have to deal with all day. That's what cops are always dealing with. Cops are dealing with people who they could believe to be violent criminals or potential threats to them. So for a police officer, not only all the ingrained societal biases you may have, but you might have biases that replicate themselves because of how the statistics of crime and crime demographics play out. So yes, uh, there's a disproportionate amount of indigenous people in a lot of parts of Canada that are much, much highly, or sorry, high represented in violent crimes or in the prison system. So yes, there's going to be a racial component to when a police officer has a brand new interaction with someone who happens be indigenous and it may be a racist component they may start to assume things is this person on alcohol are they on drugs have they been drinking hmm these are all factors i need to know or think about before i can make a judgment and assessment on whether or not they're telling the truth here right that's where a lot of that shit comes into play no one is 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 asking fucking uh, you know, telling white people right now that you're all, all you white people you were the racist babies the only babies who were racist are the white babies they're the only racist babies. If the starting off point is you are trash and we think you're evil, yeah, then totally. how, how, how does that, you're never going to move in a better direction. You're not going to move the country in a better direction. You're not going to improve race relations. You're going to make it worse. And that is what I see happening. I think a lot of the division is due to the backlash to that kind of rhetoric. And I think that, look, I think racism exists for sure. Do I think the majority of white people are racist? Do I think white people are inherently racist? No, I do not. I think that's crazy. Yeah, that's a racist stereotype. I'm going to say this again. Um, I, I would say, broadly speaking, all of us, all of us have racism coded into our way of thinking. Because again, it's reflected and represented, broadly speaking, within society and culture. doesn't matter if it's within our films, our books, our poetry, our movies, our music, our culture, the way we interact with each other, stereotypes, ethnic stereotypes, comedians, comedy, all of that across the board. The pop song you heard on the radio 20 minutes ago, there's going to be, of course, some indoctrination or a, a reflection or a reproduction of racist tropes, stereotypes, concepts, and a lot of that becomes subconsciously programmed within us. And so we have to recognize it and suddenly be able to be like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe this isn't actually true. Maybe there is a reason why we see these differences in demographics and stuff like that. It doesn't happen to be with any kind of encoded genetic defaults or something to do with a, uh, a bad culture or surrounding a certain type of music or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just as racist to say, um, you know, black people are inherently dangerous and violent, right? That's a disgusting and racist thing to say. Mm-hmm. Why is it okay to have... Um, some- but there is something you can say specific to white people and, and, and the lived experience of white people that will not be universal. White people are not a monolith. That's not what I'm trying to say. But that will be different than the lived experience of, say, a black person. And there are things you could bring up in terms of the fact that, yes, if you accept for the fact that, broadly speaking, this in society, we're all coded and programmed with a lot of this kind of racist rhetoric under a white supremacist society. We are. So we have to... And once we do recognize that, realize that, hey, did you know that there's not as much of a prominent discussion amongst, say, uh, wealthy, middle-income white families 
talking to their children about, did you know there could be a danger with how you interact with the police that could result in you getting hurt? I'm telling you this because I love you, not because I'm trying to scare you, but I want to have this conversation with you that it's a very important conversation to have because, again, I want to protect you and keep you safe. That's a different lived experience. Like, I wasn't raised with that. I have people who are visibly indigenous who were raised with that, where their folks would tell them, hey, by the way, when you're interacting with the RCMP, no, they could shoot you. I, I wasn't given that conversation. So that's a different lived experience. So that was a, a lived experience for me, you know, as a visibly white person, where I was like, oh, okay, so this is different, you know? We're learning. Generalized stereotype about white people. I think that's wrong as well. Look, when we covered a lot of the critical race theory debate that was going around, it's kind of gone away momentarily, but I imagine it'll probably come back with the election coming because obviously they're going to use it to hit DeSantis. But I, I mean, a lot of, and Sitch can speak better this, to this than me because he's read a lot of the, the books on critical race theory. It seems like critical race theory is trying to promote this negative stereotype of whites, that whites are just inherently racist and that you liberal society will never be able to be colorblind because of this inherent racism that they have. And they've even labeled it whiteness, which is like, We've had people on the show before that have tried to t tell us, no, whiteness is just, you know, that's just neutral. And I'm like, well, I mean, it, if we were talking about criminality and wanted to label it blackness, don't you think people would kind of be... No, no, who is saying this? Where are you getting this from? It's not that it's neutral. It's that under a white supremacist structure, it's seen as what you are supposed to attain. In the same way, we are all trying to attain wealth and success. The very idea of whiteness is woven into that concept. That's why different groups want to attain whiteness. Yes, even if they happen to be uh, black people or indigenous people, they want to attain that 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 position within society, you know, and that's why people who are not white or othered by that same structure. It doesn't mean that like all white people are the same. All white people are bad. All white people are racist. All white people are genocide. All white people are KKK. All white people are Nazis. No one is saying that these are all fucking straw people made up to try and take away from the fact that you probably have people, visible minorities, who are speaking out against the saying, hey, by the way, we are racialized by society. If you aren't, that happens to us. Thinking that's a little racist, like you probably <laughs> shouldn't do that. So, but there, so many people who study this critical race theory stuff, they're like, you know, they're working on their PhD in it, like they're fully invested in the system. They've got some advisor that has studied it for 35 years. Like you're never going to change their minds about this stuff. It's it's kind of, I don't necessarily know where we turn on it. I mean, look, for academics who have dedicated their lives to that type of curriculum, yeah, I mean, they've dedicated their lives to it. It's pretty deeply ingrained in their minds. It's, it's kind of difficult to, to reverse that. But, you know, the whole thing, look, I don't agree with CRT. Um, mm -hmm. It, like, I don't agree with that theory. I don't, you know, whatever. But my issue with the right was that they were making it seem as though CRT, which is a graduate level curriculum, is being taught what in like elementary schools and stuff. That? And so I would have preferred for them just, to be a little more precise what theory. they mean, right? Because if they want to say that certain elements of critical race theory have now infiltrated mainstream public school curriculum, okay, that's an interesting point to make. Can you show me where, show me specific examples? Then we're having an actual conversation about it. But overall, I think that it's incredibly divisive in a pluralistic society to make generalizations about any group of people, um, to refer to any group of people as inherently evil or racist or whatever, whatever the accusation yeah. is. I mm -hmm. think that you need to take people as individuals and judge them by their actions as individuals. And do I think that there are individuals in the country who believe in white supremacy and all of that? Absolutely. Do I, obviously we have, um, you know, a pretty dark history when it comes to the way that we treated uh, black people in this country. I acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the issues that I'm also having recently is this notion that there has been no improvement 
oh, and yeah. everything everything has been the same there's you know those race to dinner ladies like they oh yeah yeah like, hey, yeah there's been a lot of struggle death murder assassinations leaders killed fucking civil rights movements yes it's come at great personal struggle in large part done by people in those groups black people it's not a it's not a you know well white people finally realized things are bad and they decided to take a stance and that's why we have the civil rights act you know and then racism ended and then uh, obama got elected to prove that point like it's such a weird perspective to be like so why doesn't anyone acknowledge how things are better than they were during slavery why does anyone acknowledge that things are better than they were under Jim Crow? Why did why won't anyone have that conversation? They're you, special. You, you did a like you did a great job of framing the critical race theory very honestly. I think about mm -hmm. you know obviously critical race theory. No one's pulling out a book by Derek Bell in second grade and saying hey we're going to study critical race theory. I, isn't and I'm I just like isn't it so much more intellectually stimulating to understand both the right and the left argument? I feel like well, it yeah, is rather right. than just strawman. But well, in, on the just on, what, real quick on the critical mm -hmm. race theory, I do think, and this is where I think they do have an argument. Like they do, even the audience isn't believing how far this has gone. He doesn't believe this. <laughs> these um, like privilege walks where they have all the kids stand out in the quad and they list off uh, uh, things like you know is English your second language. Well, I don't know. I kind of think like if you're bilingual, you have an advantage over me. I only speak one language, English, and frankly, not very good. So <laughs> I feel like if you're bilingual, why? So, so wait, is, is this like a dig at immigrant families or like first generation immigrants where it's like, well, I mean, they can speak both the, you know, their tongue, whatever it may be, barbaric as it is. And in addition to that, they also can speak English. So technically they have an advantage over me. Hey, actual justice warriors there. Why, why am I the one that speaks one language taking a step forward and the bilingual kid is standing behind me? And that, I mean, you can make a direct link to CRT in that stuff. Well, it's, it's interesting so. that you provide that example. So English was my second language. Mm -hmm. um, you Look know, my this. parents, yeah, my parents, my parents came to the country as refugees in the late 70s. Um, you know, they escaped Soviet era Armenia, mm -hmm. came to the United States, did not speak a word of English. They learned English eventually, right? But it took wow. some time. And so in the household, between the time I was born and the time I finally went to elementary school, all they spoke was Armenian. All I knew was Armenian. And I remember uh, before there was like an entrance exam. I had a meeting with like one of the counselors at this elementary school and she would like pull up cards that had letters on it, English letters on it. And she's like, do you know what this letter is? And I'd be like, no. And I, I remember leaving that feeling like garbage. <laughs> like I left that and I was like, I'm dumb. I don't know anything. You know, I remember crying and like whatever. And then what I did was I forced myself to wake up super early as a, as a kid to watch Sesame Street. And that's how I learned English. Um, oh. Anyway, I give you that that anecdote about myself because it's a very personal thing. And luckily, I have the kind of personality and the intellectual curiosity to like want to learn and to want to be better. And there might be some other people who for them, English being a second language is more of a challenge, right? More They might have more difficulty in learning or grasping a new language. So I can understand how that could be seen through the lens of privilege. But I think you also make a, a valid point. Once you've learned English in America and you still have the skills of a second language, in my case, it would be Armenian, that does tend to be a highlight or something that could be highlighted on your resumes or your CVs. So valid point. It just really depends on where the person is in their lives. Well, mm -hmm. if, they're, if they're doing, if their point is to pe teach people that some people have... I mean, he's not saying it out loud, but you're talking about how you know, naturally born citizens uh, will have a disadvantage to immigrants who English might be their second language because of the fact that they now have two languages they can present on a resume.
better advantages than other people. I'm I'm not necessarily against that. Where they make it racial and the need to mm -hmm. make it racial and create all these racial stereotypes around it. I just feel like, what are we doing here? We're taking steps backwards. Why are we doing this? Well, so I'm yeah. not sure like that, you know, teaching kids. But that's exactly what y'all are doing. If you were calling out CRT, which again, this is like no one would be discussing CRT. This is something that is discussed amongst law students at higher levels. It's not something that's discussed amongst the general public, let alone relating it to somehow the school curriculum or things that people should be worried about. But even then, if that's something you want to bring up, then in what way, in, in what way is it going to do what you're saying if people are trying to acknowledge the way society and structures work, structures of power? And the way those structures of power can influence different groups based on characteristics. What what does pointing that out do to regress? Like, yeah, it didn't create racial stereotypes. It's analyzing the way the differences in structures of power operate within society. It's like, oh, this kid is privileged over you. I'm not sure the psychological yeah. effects that's that going to have necessarily on the children. And it's kind of but like... also like the bullying that commonly takes place on campuses across the country. I mean, you're providing more fodder for that. Yes. I don't think right. That, yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't think that's the, really a helpful... What, sorry, the bullying of white kids? Just white kids being bullied for being white? This is a, a new phenomenon that is just spreading across the entirety of the United States right now? That like white kids are, are, are being told to acknowledge their privilege in line with other students and stuff? Way to talk about, you know, race dynamics in the country. I don't know. I, I experienced none of that when I was in public mm -hmm. school. I, and I feel pretty lucky that I grew up, look, it wasn't perfect, but I do feel lucky that I grew up in the 90s because that was probably the peak of the attempts to live in a colorblind society. And I just feel like race relations. As a white guy, I can tell you I wasn't bullied for being white. Well, as a white guy with a fucking native mom, I can tell you that I wanted to hide that aspect of myself when kids started being racist towards indigenous kids. And immediately I uh, just pretended I was fully white for a long part of my life because it was safer. That's, that's, that's what was happening. So actually pretending to be completely white gave me an advantage there, a privilege, if you will, because white people were not being directly targeted for being white in the same way. We're better than, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, not obviously not perfect, obviously not perfect. But what I'm experiencing now is, again, incredibly divisive. And I don't like the generalizations about, you know, like white women, uh, white people in general, the fact that, you know, oh, this every institution, racism is deeply ingrained in every institution. We have, we've got to burn it all down. And it's like, what are you guys doing right now? Like, right, what are you really right. doing and what are you really advocating for? Yeah. And it's like, you know, I agree that there's, there's always messaging problems on both sides, you know, when, you know, the right says like the CRT and everything. And it's like, well, yeah, they're not, you know, reading uh, Kimberly Crenshaw papers necessarily in second grade, but there'll be some specific element. And yeah, you know, it'd probably be better if they were specific and say, oh, you know, they're doing privilege walks or they're talking about how there's inherent racism built into white society or they're saying that, you know, we want to deconstruct. Why isn't she addressing how divisive the right is? Well, I mean, I guess not the Whiteness conversation. Or some school, I forget where this was, whereas like in elementary school or middle school, they had a book that was like it had a, a, a contract with devil horns that said, you know, don't don't shake hands with the contract of whiteness or something like absurd like this and so i mean it's happening all across uh it was happening like elements of it were happening across the country and the problem is like you know at the same token that you know the right's too overbroad maybe with saying everything crt or being broad like the left had kind of just the exact opposite or not even the left really the mainstream media had the yeah. kind of exact opposite approach where they're saying oh th none of this is happening this is all like a fantasy this is all a fantasy concocted by racists because they don't want to teach about slavery they don't want to teach about black history in america Right. It's like, that's clearly not what they're talking, or at least I don't think that's clearly what's happening in these situations. Right. I bought into that narrative, hook, line, and sinker, right? Like the <laughs> narrative of they want to erase any curriculum, any teachings about racism, yes. about slavery, about the Jim Crow era. What is Ron DeSantis doing? Haven't you done segments on that? On what specific books is Ron DeSantis trying to get out of fucking school libraries?
and I feel like a sucker, right? <laughs> I, just, I just do. And, and right. yeah, and I don't know. Like, look, I can't control others. All I can do is control my own behavior. And so I've been kind of thinking of things through that lens. And the other thing I'll say is I have a very, luckily, a very full life. And I have many friends outside of this space, outside mm -hmm. of work. And they have really helped to ground me and give me the courage I need to do my job the way that I see fit moving forward. Because if your entire life is about this, about you know what you do, the people who surround you at work, and if it's about making sure that you maintain those relationships, then their pressure on you to say certain things that you might not believe in is going to be far more effective. And mm. so I've kind of, I, I used are, are you experiencing that? For are, sure. Yeah. Are they yeah. pressuring you? Are they, are you getting eye rolls when you're saying, look, <laughs> you're really kind of misrepresenting the Republican argument here? Well, look, um, they do this really great thing where, uh, they don't actually approach me privately to have these conversations. Um, they do me the favor of putting out monetized videos, condemning me <laughs> for being a very naughty girl. Um, and so well, well, it's, wait, it's, that's that situation yeah. though is like detractors. I'm talking about like in a work environment, like which would be much worse, obviously. Right. Well, uh, so, so far, that's no half. Okay. Go so ahead. far, no one's no one's approached me. No mm -hmm. one's approached me to tell me like I can't believe you're saying this, or you know I can't, you know I'm very angry at you. No one's done that. Okay. Um, however, two people have reported me to HR. So what? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. You're already getting reports. Something to specific HR? or just yeah. a general? My tweet uh, saying that I'd like to be referred to, that I personally would like to be referred to as a woman and not a birthing person, wow. that upset some people and they uh, reported me to HR. I'm happy to report that HR's response was. Um, the criticism was that no one's doing that. This is a non problem. There's not a phenomenon of people telling women, especially like trans activists telling women, hey, you can't be referred to as a woman. You are now henceforth forever known as birthing person. That's what all the criticisms in good faith were. The overwhelming abundance of them. I saw so many like replies from both fellow progressives, leftists, even TYT people in the replies being like, Anna. Like, you you know, this, here's a video from 11 months ago with you calling yourself out. The, the, here's Anna calling out Anna. Here's you saying that inclusive language is, is not necessarily a bad thing. It's not eliminationist language. Those are two different things. She didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, she can't get in trouble for mm -hmm. sharing her opinion on this. Um, and, you know, I, wow. the other thing is, like, I, I, would, I would never do that, man. I mean, there are so many different voices at TYT. Time to time, there are statements made that I find objectionable or I disagree with. And if it rises to the occasion of me having to say something, I'll approach that person and talk to them about it. I would never report them to HR. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. We're doing political news and analysis. Yeah. Like, by definition, we're supposed to share our genuine and sincere opinions. Yep. Now, if I was doing videos saying horrific, hateful, racist things and I was targeting individuals, then that would be different. I I've never done that and I never will. Mm-hmm. You brought up a really interesting point I never really thought of in terms of... She's their boss. Is that true? Is that how the structure... I don't know if the structure works that way. I don't know if Jank is technically all their bosses. If Anna is like a co-owner, she's technically the boss as well. I don't I don't know that for a fact. The polarization that's happening right now where, you know, for you, you're saying how you have friends outside of the internet, outside of, you know, politics that you, that you can, you know, kind of rely on emotionally for support where kind of in our modern era, a lot of people, their primary relationships come, I think, entirely from friends they make on the internet and from discord and spaces like this. Power, blah, and so blah. since we're kind of like splintering off, She's um, like we're no longer in the time period where like everyone knows their neighbor 
and people have like a lot of i mean that makes perfect sense then especially if you're like the fun the front facing celebrity of a media empire right then yes of course people especially if they are members of you know marginalized communities are going to come out and be like this is really scary to see kind of shit generalized interests because they're just kind of like friends with the people physically around them we're more specialized we're friends with the people that share our specific interests whether it be you know some kind of video game or movies or whatever or in, in this case politics and mm -hmm. so since so many people have these only specialized friendships around politics Okay, we've been watching this for an hour, and I'm at five hours of streaming, so I'm going to fast forward past the rest of the Jordan Peterson section uh, and past the healthcare section, because I pretty much, I'm sure I agree that I would also like universal healthcare. I'm guessing that hopefully that's all that was talked about. This, like, weird agreement that I don't agree to, that, like, oh, my God, if we don't have affirmative action, you know, black people could never get into colleges or universities. Mm, yeah, that's so bad. And I just don't like, I don't know, it's, that rubs me the wrong way. Sometimes I'm worried that the messaging, the hyperbolic messaging, because think about it, if you're told over and over again, this country is unfair, you're never going to make it, you're never going to make it. Why even try? Why even try? Like, and I'm worried that that disempowers people. So I don't know. I, it's something that I want to explore more. I want to. Oh, my God. This is just like so much right wing thinking points and talking points. And you're like, yeah, well, what about the bootstraps? What about people being told? You know, if people are pointing out that there are uh, unfair uh, disadvantages that are being given to certain groups based on things that should not be happening and we can broadly recognize that this again if race is a social construct why are different people being treated differently for a, a quantity of melanin that they have then yes that that's very different than saying hey by the way you're never going to make anything of yourself you have no fucking self-control you don't have any of that yeah you don't have any free will i'm going to infantilize you i'm going to be very paternal right now and just be like yeah you you and those groups you'll never do anything you can't yeah, because society, you know, this is the message the left has. It's like, nah, nah, the left, broadly speaking, is most likely advocating for the liberation of workers from an exploitative uh, economic system and uh, the liberation as well from people who were marginalized in society for a variety of just existing. You know, that's broadly speaking what, what it's going to be addressing. That's another reason why if someone was like, hey, by the way, this person Lance is a communist. Hey, by the way, this person Lance is a leftist. I, I, I'm more interested in like, so what do they do and or say? That's like, I, I less than I am about the like the stamp, you know? Oh, you'll like this person. They get the stamp. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. But like, what, what are they about? It's like, oh, they, they think the trans agenda has gone too far. I'm like, well, then, yeah, the stamp doesn't really do much for me. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I'm pretty much going to disagree fundamentally with a lot of the things this person is probably going to talk about then. Understand, or maybe there are some sociologists that have like studied this and researched this. And if you guys have any recommendations, I'd love there to read is. it. But... You're, you're actually on solid ground in this one because I saw Jenks' opinion on this, on the the, uh, the overturning of affirmative action. And he was in favor of it for the same reason I'm in favor of it because it creates all these negative stereotypes. And the, mm -hmm. a huge contradiction I saw on the left. And I just, I'm like, I don't necessarily know how to process this, but they're saying Clarence Thomas, they're using affirmative action to call him stupid. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, wait, what? Well, yeah, I mean, you're, they're, playing, they're saying, you're playing into Jenks' argument. Yeah, right? totally. They're saying, yeah. look, uh, he benefited from affirmative action, and that's why, obviously, he's wrong about this. He's stupid. I'm going, this is, this is the problem. This is totally the problem. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it, yeah. Se it seems like on the affirmative action one, you're, you're definitely on firmer ground because you got Jank on your side. So it's the other places where you have to uh, beat Jank up, and that's like the, <laughs> the Democrats are secret Republicans. I noticed you launched... <laughs> I noticed you launched an attack on him last week about that one. What what is your what's your take on this theory? We've we've debated this theory on the show as well, and Sitch is always always fighting against this. Uh, Democrats and Republicans are exactly the same. Well, okay, so it's complicated. Like it's <laughs> it's a nuanced thing to talk about because 
I don't really care about the Republican Democrats take. We're still in the days where they go behind closed doors and everyone's, you know, buddy buddy anymore. Um, but going back to the, the money and politics things for a second, I mean, I do think that money and politics, I mean, obviously money is always going to influence people's behavior to an extent, but I do feel that like we talk about like Joe Manchin, you know, I think primarily politicians are motivated by having to win their election. And often, you know, money is going to help that, but it's only going to help to some extent. Like, I don't think, you know, George Soros, right, could go and just offer Joe Manchin some exorbitant amount of money, and then suddenly he'll, you know, switch all of his positions around. Well, I mean, look, I think with Manchin, it's a lot more complicated than that. I mean, his personal business interests, I think, play a huge role. I mean, he's he's got he's got a coal-related business that right. he makes half a million dollars off of literally every year. He's not going to want to, you know, go full steam ahead with some of these climate policies, especially if it's going to impact his personal you know, finances. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that, you know, there's a pretty obvious difference in how politicians would legislate or govern the country prior to Citizens United versus after. I don't think it was based on a Babylon B sketch. Awkward Supreme Court rules against affirmative action with affirmative action higher sitting right there. Da, 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 da. The Babylon B is back. Citizens United. So I do think that the you know, money and politics factor is very real. And I what do you think, think that the it, difference is? Well, the difference is they were a lot more responsive to the concerns of their constituents. And I think especially the Democratic Party, they didn't play into the culture wars as heavily as they do now. And I think increasingly, if you if you notice, they've moved further and further away from some of the economic policies. They might campaign on it. They might, you know, provide lip service uh, to some of these economic issues. But when push comes to shove, as soon as they're elected, you know, they kind of move away from it. Um, hmm. I think one counter to that is Barack Obama, who, well, he did run on hope and change. Looking back on it, you know, while he seemed to imply better economic conditions for Americans, he was never very specific about it. I think that's notable right. um, in retrospect. But he did also campaign on codifying abortion. And then, and that was a culture war issue that he campaigned on in 2008. And then as soon as he got elected, he like literally said, eh, it's not really a priority right now. <laughs> Well, kind of like so, you know, Biden with the healthcare, right? So. Right, exactly. And I, I would venture to say that the healthcare situation absolutely should be a priority. Same yeah, with yeah. you know codifying um, abortion. Which, by the way, I want to I want to say something about uh, abortion. As someone who is firmly in favor of reproductive rights, I want to tell you guys and your audience mm-hmm. that the vast majority of us do not agree with what Lance said on Tim Pool's show. <laughs> uh, we don't. Nice. I don't know why he said that, and nice. I was I was like mortified when he said that. What, what did he say that you're talking about specifically? So first off, Tim gave like a ridiculous hypothetical of like a healthy pregnancy at nine months and the right. woman just decides like, you know, I went through the tour. Not my hypothetical. This is Tim Pool's. I was reiterating Tim Pool's argument. I was bringing it up. I was like, he's the one who's obsessed with the baby guillotines and obsessed with this thing. I actually said the opposite. I was like, hey, by the way, if we're looking at the statistics, I have the data before me right now. Uh, this accounts for less than 2% of all pregnancies occur in this uh, term. And this is actually specifically because it's a medical complication of which it could potentially threaten the life of the mother. This is a tragedy. This is not a real issue. You're bringing up a made up fantasy. You're just consistently being like, well, Lance, if it's viable, I don't see why the doctor just doesn't keep the baby. Just like put it up for adoption. It's viable. Why Why doesn't the doc? I just don't see why there's this problem. Why do people have to suddenly take, I was like, there's not uh, an overabundance of pregnant women at nine months deciding uh, this is not for me. Just being like, oh, phew, this, this whole pregnancy thing, kind of over it, you know? Why, why, why is that a thing? Sure, of being pregnant for nine months, and I've decided to end my healthy pregnancy, you know, right before I'm going to deliver. Right. Uh, no one's in favor of that. Okay, <laughs> no one, literally no one. Um, I guess except. Are you about to say except for Lance? For Lance, because the problem. What? This is, this is Tim Pool's fucking example. What are you doing? 
You got right into his- Well, they said Tim Pool had successfully set up some traps. I guess some people got fooled by them. Holy fuck. <laughs> what? No. This is Tim Pool's fucking story. This is his example. I was actually bringing it up because, again, this is the weird thing that he was saying to Bat Binder. And I was like, hey, by the way, Tim Pool, that's for, that, it's ludicrous. The, the majority of uh, nine-month-old pregnant women, sorry, yeah, nine months into the pregnancy, are not having abortions by choice because all of a sudden they're bored of their pregnancies. You, you are making this situation up, which is a radical situation, in order to, again, find a wedge. It's in order to be like, well, Lance, hey, I, I'm a milquetoast fence sitter. I agree with reproductive rights for women. But, I just want to say, once the babies are viable, say in the ninth month, I don't think you should have the ability to choose to get that abortion. I think at that point, you should lose that ability to choose whether or not you have bodily autonomy because the baby's viable. So they could simply just take the viable baby outside and then, then you know, we'll deal with it as we do. That kind of thing. That's, that's just like where I'd like to put some limits. And it's like, uh, abortion rights advocates are not fighting tooth and nail right now to achieve uh, universal uh, ninth month abortion access uh, as a priority. It's not like, hey, by the way, this is something that uh, deeply concerns the community. Uh, we would like this to, to be able to be for, for the forefront of our discussion. It's something that is being used by people who are clearly anti-choice but want to pretend that they're pro-choice in order to like wedge themselves into the conversation. Because, of course, it has to make you play defense. Same thing with trying to say, hey, by the way, Lance, what about mums who drink? What about mums who do crystal meth? Blah, blah, blah. Their body, their choice, right? The whole purpose of these hyperbolic examples and these obviously extreme examples is to put you on a defensive position where you have to sit there and be like, well, I, I am universally saying that if you are a woman, you should have autonomy over your own body. But obviously, I'm not here to say that it's a good thing if there are a whole bunch of women who are smoking crack while they're pregnant. But you're putting me in a position where I basically have to defend women smoking crack when they're pregnant. Like, that's the purpose of all of it. The, the, the whole point of these uh, mind games. <laughs> the problem with Lance is, and the problem with these bad faith debates is that he wants to win. So yes. when you're not engaging in a good faith debate, you then end up agreeing to things or saying you support. I was in the worst faith debate of my life in that debate. Nothing I said was resounding. Nothing I said was being met with, hey, by the way, Lance, you said something new. This is information we weren't aware of. I was introducing them to a whole bunch of new concepts. Left-handedness, for example. How about that? Meta-studies. Meta-studies. Collected studies on detransition rates, which show effectively in these meta-studies that, in fact, there is not a large percentage of people who detransition. It's less than 5%. It's like, here's new information. Uh, presenting them with the, the very mind experiment of, hey, by the way, I couldn't turn you gay by making you watch all the best gay porno in the world, right? Just like, you can't turn people straight. You acknowledge this. To which I was kind of baffled to find out that they kind of believe that. We're like, I don't know. People in prison... I mean, it happens. You get exposed to enough man flesh eventually. You just give in. And it's like, uh, well, okay. I don't know if this is 100% good faith, but it's nice to know that you, you took Tim Pool's side on that. Support things that you might not actually support. So I don't know what Lance really thinks. Yeah. But the only time... I'll tell you, ask me on any given topic. I'm, I'm quite open about these things. And, and yes, sometimes, guess what? As I take in new information, as time goes on, I may change my opinions on things based on what is the current scientific consensus at a given time. I never used to think that the world was made by a tiny series of quantum quarks and bits and and they appear and disappear based on their own relativity and existence and all that. Like it, it's absolute nonsense to me, but I'm willing to listen and, and figure out what exactly this is about as we're learning about it. I didn't know that, but yeah. I, I used to think there were three states of nature, you know, solid liquids and gases. 
turns out there's more. And so so as, as, as new information came out, I've been like, oh, okay, well, now I'm learning. And the same thing applies to the trans issue. I have been wrong. I'll, I'll be completely clear about this. I have been wrong on trans issues and my advocacy for, you know, uh, uh, fighting for trans rights on a number of occasions. Because, again, not just the fact you can't just constantly default that you're a sissy. I am. But uh, notwithstanding... I had to learn. There are, there are topics in which I didn't fully understand them, and then once I've learned, I've been like, okay, I want to issue a correction now, by the way, this is this. But fundamentally, yes, my my, my core beliefs and that, yes, I, I do want to fight for people's liberation. As a core tenant, that, that doesn't change, even if my understanding of the natural world does as I learn more about it. Time, abortions happen in, in the third trimester. First of all, they're always tragic, they're always awful, and it's because- I said all this. This is so fucking unfair. I said all that. That is exactly my words. You were repeating my argument and then trying to put Tim Pool's straw Lance argument as my argument, being like, I don't know what Lance is doing, advocating for like these weird scenarios in which people are apparently having abortions at the ninth month. I just got to inform him that's apparently not the case. I agree. Th that was my argument. The woman's life is in danger, yep. okay? It's never because the woman decide, was lazy and decided that she wanted to do it last minute. Almost no one is what I said. That. In fact, most people who are supportive of abortion want it to happen, you know, um, up to the point of viability, right? So, and that was what the Supreme Court ruling was about. It right. was about legalizing abortion up to the point of uh, uh, viability and that each individual state can determine, you know, what their restrictions are, you know, after that or, mm -hmm. you know. Well, or I, where they determine um, where viability stands. Well, here's a stress. Is this libel? No, this is not in any way actionable. And if anything, I'm just fucking honestly disappointed. Disappointed. Because uh, at best, you've watched a clip that circulated, I'm guessing, wildly, and then thought based on that clip. Oh, so it turns out Lance brought up this hyperbolic scenario of the ninth month pregnancy, somehow arguing that this is what uh, abortion rights activists have to fight for. And this wasn't something that, you know, Tim Pool consistently tries to, like, position himself in such a way where it's actually going to have to put his, you know, uh, contractors on defense, you know, and, and based on that clip alone going forward and being like that. How did you question for you? Because I, I've been thinking of <laughs> Lance is insane! <laughs> Lance doesn't really think in the traditional sense. No, no. You see, what I do is I conjure up vibes and feelings. I'm an empath, after all, so I have to assess based on the, the jewels on any given time and the crystals. Uh, once my zeodes line up, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, we, we have the great feel. Oh, the great feel has washed me. And then at, at that point, I, I, I give in to the groupthink, you know? You know, we're all handed our NPC chips, and then I switch out what the old one was. And, oh, we're talking about Ukraine. Oh, oh yeah, trans rights. Put that one in, and then boom, I, I'm ready for action. About this. Like, the Republicans have spent so much time energizing their base with the abortion question. And they definitely mm -hmm. have probably 20% of their electorate that are like, life begins at conception. Like, how how do the... <laughs> Actual justice warrior. Lance is the worst. We all agree. <laughs> Buddy, we debated like three years ago. Get over it. He also sold Anna down the river and pretended he didn't. Very cowardly. <laughs> I sold her down the river. What? What is what lies have you all believed? What what story has been spun? <laughs> I was like, all right, everyone, it's time to get mine. Time for that sweet fucking paycheck. Hell yeah, fuck Anna Kasparian, fuck her. Yeah. Oh, oh so nice. What a payday. What a fucking paycheck.
Boom. No, I wasn't getting a, a monstrous amount of pushback from colleagues and other leftists who were like, Lance, why are you actually bringing this up? Why are you doing this to someone who's actually a very powerful, progressive advocate who's done so much good work that you agree upon, Lance? You said that you agree. I do agree. I think she has done a lot of really good work. I'm just specifically calling out this one take. Why would you bother yourself with that? Why? This is why the left loses, Lance, because people like you are hyper-focused on calling out her own when she does so much other great work. Why do you have to hyper-focus on one? I, I don't even totally agree with the birthing person thing, but clearly you should let this go and not talk about it. And it's like, I in the best of faith, said that, A, I'll preface by saying I completely respect everything that, you know, Anna and, and Jank and TYT has accomplished, and we should be so lucky to rise to those levels that you can impact political change based on your own beliefs. That's incredible. And this take is wrong. I know you know this is wrong because here is you 11 months ago agreeing with me, and that's all there is to it. That was met with fucking Lance uh, sold, sold her out the river. Apparently the leftist mafia came after Anna uh, and they all went on the attack and blah, blah, blah. Doesn't, bites the hand that feeds, doesn't even appreciate the fact that TYT made him and he was blah, blah, blah. By the way, actual justice war, I was just straight up spreading the lie that I worked for TYT. I didn't. I, I would go on panels when I was invited because yes, it is. I, I genuinely enjoy a lot of the people who work there. I still do. Uh, it would be an opportunity on a much bigger stage to talk about issues typically surrounding progressive or leftist uh, topics which i do enjoy to talk about i've always enjoyed and will always continue to enjoy whenever i'm invited onto those kind of shows for those reasons that doesn't mean i have to agree with every single fucking take that anna has that's not that's not fucking throwing someone under the river you know if anna had told me something in confidence through a dm and then i just like for malice and for personal gain leaked that dm that's throwing someone under the river that's that's selling someone out that's being a fucking backstabbing actor this is like someone had a take i called the take out and, and I've, I've read that like 80% of people are in the position that you just laid out, you know, abortion up until viability, some, you know, 10, mm -hmm. 20 weeks, whatever we're talking about. How do Republicans court that 80% of the electorate and stop just, you know, uh, Democrats? Someone who is Lance. There's the only correct answer. Face chatter. Democrats catering to them. Lance is tribal. Nothing to do with bad faith. I keep getting that accusation from the right that Lance is into group think tribalism and then like thanks to, you know, Tim Pool, I'm pre uh, genetically predisposed to, to those kind of things. I have gotten so much fucking pushback from both colleagues and stuff when I've gone down pathways where the broad consensus, I guess, of either, you know, normies, liberals, liberal leftists, some sock dems, did not align with my own views on, say, indigenous issues and Canadian genocide and stuff like that. Huge fucking pushback dragged through amongst my peers, blah, blah, blah. It would have been a lot easier just to shut the fuck up. It would have been so much smoother to go through that process and just be like, ah, you know what, I'm not going to touch this one. Clearly, a lot of people are on the other end of these uh, ideas, and so I'm just going to fucking stay silent. We'll wait till it just brushes past, and we'll see how that goes. I, I don't know. So you should ask Republicans. <laughs> because, look, at the end of the day, people want to be able to make decisions about their own bodies, about their own lives. Um, you know, another area where, you know, I think that there was a lot of misinformation was about what it would mean if someone refuses to get vaccinated um, with the coronavirus vaccine. I mean, look, at first it was like, oh, you got to get vaccinated because it's going to stop the spread. But then they admitted it's not going to stop the spread. And so, look, people should be able to make decisions about their own lives and their own bodies unless there is a very real and proven public safety or public health concern. Right. And the way they sold it was you must get vaccinated because if you don't, you know, you're going to harm other people. I think to some extent the jury's out on that. Mm -hmm. um, it mutated and public policy health experts at any given time are trying to direct and 
deliver public policy based on their best understanding and assessment of what they feel is going to be the most beneficial to release information at a given time. This was a novel coronavirus as we discovered more things about it. Yes, what they were recommending and our very understanding of the virus itself changed and evolved over time. The virus has also mutated multiple times. And then, yes, that doesn't change the fact that, like, there was so much misinformation being pushed out. It's not necessarily a sign and or conspiracy theory if public policy or public policy directors or directives all of a sudden were different or change over time. That is that, that, that is how healthcare policy at a pandemic scale works. I got to a point where I was like, listen, as long as me and my family are vaccinated, we're going to be all right. I'm, I'm, I'm done with this debate. Yeah. It's stupid. Yeah. And so that's just to give you give you another example of the majority of Americans actually do love freedom. They sure. do love to make decisions about their own bodies. They want to make decisions about intimate decisions about their own families and family structure. Uh, I don't think it's helpful that there's like an increasing number of school districts in blue states that are trying to cut parents out of the conversation if their children identify as transgender. I think it's really important for the parents to be part of that conversation. Is that is is that like a massive problem or phenomenon in the U.S. that I'm unaware of? Is, is there a massive push for schools to suddenly say that they're going to uh, restrict the, the access uh, to knowledge of the health care of their children to the parents? This seems like a right-wing culture war talking point that obviously serves but to inflame and, and anger people uh, about what is actually going on in schools. The reality is not that they want to, you know, convert kids to being trans uh, or even try and promote kids to become trans as if you could do that. It's that trans kids exist, gay kids exist, and their lives in school for a large variety of reasons are more difficult in a lot of ways than cis and heterosexual counterparts. So why don't we make it a more opening and welcoming environment? That's That's what it is. Conversation. Um, and so, you know, there's just, I think it's, I think the Republican Party has a steep hill to climb on that. And in order to really understand why, I think you have to take a step back and see how the abortion debate became a culture war issue to begin with. Like at the center of that was a, an evangelical figure named Paul Weyrich. And Paul Weyrich actually wasn't like passionate about abortion or outlawing abortion. In fact, the right wing religious leaders didn't say anything against Roe v. Wade until about five years later. And the reason why they did is because they realized it would be a way to galvanize the religious, um, like religious groups, like basically form a broad coalition of religious voters that could apply leverage to the Republican Party and actually have some power. What really fueled Paul Weyrich was after desegregation, some of these schools wanted to, you know, continue engaging in segregation. And if they did, the federal government said that they would pull funding away from them. And so that really upset Paul Weyrich. And he's like, we need to find a way to increase our power. And one of the ways he did that, one of the ways to galvanize religious voters was through abortion. And, um, you know, he went to some church wow, parking lots and like threw a bunch of pamphlets that had like gory images of like fetuses. It had a lot of, you know, disinformation included as well. And it fired a lot of people up. And so it, it was a way of using the culture war as a tool to accumulate power. And so... When you think about the manipulation that took place at the heart of the anti-abortion movement, you can kind of understand why it didn't that that didn't really have much lasting, you know, power. I think mm -hmm. throughout the years after Roe v. Wade, after people were able to actually enjoy the freedom that Roe v. Wade um, provided for them, it's it's kind of hard to take that away and then not face the political repercussions that follow. Let mm -hmm. me let me rephrase because instead of the Republicans, why aren't Democrats just putting out a proposal that's a reasonable abortion cutoff. I mean, I've watched some of these congressional hearings and you've got various people, various witnesses on the panels, and they won't even 
You know, they'll ask them. They're taking the Lance position. Yeah, they're basically taking the Lance position. The Republicans will, obvi obviously it looks great for the Republicans when they ask somebody on some congressional hearing and they can't say, yes, I'm not in favor of abortion in the ninth month. It's not my position. I don't want to center the abortion debate around the ninth month. It's Tim Pool's fucking gotcha, which is why I wanted to fucking get apart. Yeah, you know that last position. Hey, I, I just want to speak today to the committee. I have this opportunity to speak to all of you, and I deeply respect this. Just want to say, what would you do if a woman wants to get an abortion in the ninth month? Would you stop her? Oh, I, uh, oh, Lance, it's quite a, quite a tricky question you've asked me there. I know, but it's my position, and I strongly, strongly encourage it. So I want to know, ninth month, yay or nay? Well, I... Uh, you know, her body, her choice, but at the same time, it is viable. Oh, it's viable. It's so viable. It's incredibly viable. This would pretty much just be a murder. That's right. What's what's your take? Let's hear it. Yeah, I don't know why they do that. I don't know why Lance did that. I think it's, it's so dumb. <laughs> it's so, so dumb. And look, I don't think it makes sense to make all abortion illegal in the third trimester. There are some rare instances course, where yeah. if the woman's yeah, life is in danger, right? With Tim but Poole. be clear about that. Just be clear about you're, that. You're spreading and the straw lands. And you don't have to be a maximalist. I think the pressure to have a maximalist approach to all of the these policy issues has held the Democratic Party back in actually accomplishing things that protect people's rights. Yeah. And so they need to ignore, I don't know if it's because they're influenced by what they're reading on Twitter, but I can't say this enough, ignore Twitter. Like you were elected to represent the best interests of your constituents. So please do that and get off Twitter. Yeah, and I think you're, I think you're completely correct about like this maximalist approach. Cause I think what's going on with Lance and with the people at the congressional hearings is that, you know, the left's position on abortion has been for women, it's my body, my This is so weird because normally when I'm getting called out by the right, I've watched a lot of hate videos on myself. I have no problem with it. You know, this is, we're all doing the same thing. This is back and forth. You know, they're probably right now, I'm saying this out loud. I'm probably being watched right now in the future by uh, Sitch and Adam. Hey boys, how's it going? I hope the content's juicy and delicious. This isn't my fucking position. <laughs> it's really weird to hear people going off and be like, you know, the Lance take and what Lance and what a lot of other Democrats are recommending. You know, the Lance position clearly on this where he wants to advocate specifically for the ninth month and that's where people really have to make a choice, you know? I was the one saying that this is a fucking weird issue for Tim Pool to constantly dictate himself about because, hey, by the way, on the ninth month, the percentage of women, it's less than like 2% and of those who do it, it's a fucking tragedy. It's a medical emergency. This is a non-issue. There is not people fighting on the other direction being like, we have to fight for the ninth month. That's, that's where this issue starts and stops. That's been kind of like the slogan. And while obviously bodily autonomy is part of the abortion conversation, I think it's too simplistic to, to kind of narrow, narrowly focus and say that's all the abortion conversation is because that's obviously not. It's more complicated than that because the question is, well, is there a potential life inside of you or is there a real life inside of you? What point does it become a life? You know, what point does does a fetus have, you know, rights of protection that a, that a baby or a human would have? Like, and so I think the problem is that because the slogan was my body, my choice, and it kind of got narrowed down so simplistically, essentially that is like if that's your position, like, and you say, my body, my choice, it like has to lead you down the road of you can get an abortion at any point as long as it's inside of you. And I think that simplistic focus, as opposed to having like a nuanced focus, is what led people down having these like insane prescriptions, which allow the other side to basically very easily attack and demonize them. Well, I mean, look, if you are basing your policy prescriptions on slogans and you haven't actually done the work to understand these issues and come up with a nuanced opinion on it, then you're a moron, right? So like, <laughs> yeah. 
No, but I'm, I'm being. But serious. they're testifying in Congress. It's like how are they getting these people? No, but it, I don't care if they're testifying in Congress. I don't right. care if they're debating Tim Pool. Yeah. If you're literally leaning on a slogan, <laughs> you're too lazy to. I was like, I would have liked the sound clip. I would have liked to have just been like, Lance is a moron. I would have, I would have preferred that, but we got there. We got there. It doesn't matter if you're testifying before Congress or debating Tim Pool. This wasn't, I wish this was my position now. I should also change all my beliefs and principles in order to, you know, fucking uh, fit in with uh, this new crowd we find ourselves in do the work and hey tim can i come back on the show i've made some changes so i know i'm the ninth month abortion guy but i'm ready to change now i'm the 10th month abortion guy <laughs> i'm taking more extreme positions i'm sorry i have no choice it's what the group think is doing right now this is what everyone's into it's, i wish i did to be on my control <laughs> and that's that's all that informs what you're saying we've got a problem True. and that's the thing like we are riot. I just feel like we're in a culture right now where everyone. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm for the post-birth abortions as you talked about. I love how they're always like, yeah, but what about what about the second the baby comes out and it's perfectly viable? What about then? Or what if the woman's giving birth and midway through she's like, I want to have an abortion? I was like, uh, I don't think that ever happens. Um, should it happen though? If you, if you're actually killing a child after it's been birthed. Uh, we do have a word for that. It's murder. You're 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 murdering a person at that point. Yeah their very strong beliefs on whatever headline they read or whatever slogan they believe in and mm -hmm. it's like okay. it's true i was heavily influenced by reading a whole bunch of articles on how ninth birth abortions are apparently super common and so because i saw all of those i was like this is this is my hill this is my cross i'm ready for this i i i'm ready you know this is going to be my foundational principle and i'm going to stake my claim right here ninth month abortions are bust you have to be for them you have to be pro ninth month abortions hey yeah can you just scratch beneath the surface a little bit explore this topic a little more and then tell me what you actually think. And if you think that a woman at nine months should decide to end a healthy pregnancy and that's totally fine and that most of the people in this country are with you, I mean, you're sadly yeah, mistaken. You're crazy. You're crazy, yeah. yeah. And those were my exact words as well. Yes, I am very pro women in the ninth month, you know, having elective abortions just because they got tired of the whole thing. Yeah, because this is a thing that happens apparently all the time. So it's a, a big phenomenon and problem we need to bring up as a real issue. Much like a lot of the other real issues that keep getting fucking brought up. Well, we only have about five minutes left. I There's one more thing I want to say, because you are constantly talking about regulation. One of the things that bugs me is that I feel like we're in this situation where like, Democrats are reflexively pro-regulation and Republicans are reflexively anti-regulation. And I always feel like, <laughs> I mean, what is the regulation? I want to know what the regulation is. So, and you've covered, um, you've covered some, obviously you're in favor of affordable housing. I'm in favor of mm -hmm. affordable housing. We both live in Los Angeles. God, we need affordable housing <laughs> in LA more than anything. So yeah. there, there, you did a story last week, I think it was about DeSantis adopting some anti-regulation bill or something like that. And mm -hmm. you were kind, uh, kind of against it. And I kept thinking, well, I just, is it, is he adopting something in text from Texas? that has really great affordable housing because they don't allow these environmental impact statements to come into play and prevent them from building more housing, which a lot of homeowners, but myself included, like, well, no, I, I would never do this, but a lot of homeowners want to protect the value of their homes by mm -hmm. stifling more housing development, by using these uh, environmental impact statements to basically put off housing in their areas indefinitely. But it's, it's you're a, mixing up, yeah, you're mixing up two stories. So okay. I believe in the state, I love all the call-outs by the audience. Divin is a simp for Anna. What, only five minutes left? Oh, she's just becoming based. Anna simps, shoe simps, Aiden simps, simps everywhere. Lauren Southern is obviously hotter. The story about DeSantis, if, I, if I'm if i talking about the same thing you're mm. 
mentioning. Well, no, I, first of all, I yes. know it's from two, it's from two different stories and I don't necessarily oh, know about it, the, I don't know that, I don't know about the regulation that they were adopting. The, the vaguely, the regulation it looks like DeSantis was adopting was to prevent people uh, we haven't watched from it, but using I see regulations. But I just didn't necessarily know many. what the regulation was. And I don't, like, it doesn't it not seem that Democrats sometimes are reflexively pro-regulation re, pro when they should just... Okay, this is just the end. Okay. Like, we, we got the, uh, the, the, the general vibe of everything. Um... Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, people who were at the start of the stream, I think like three or four hours ago, who were, who were being like, Lance, uh, I don't know if this is really necessary. Uh, why are we wasting our time on this? Blah, blah, blah. Um, I'll reiterate. I, uh, I don't have the power to cancel. I, I do. I'm not. I'm not cancelor of the canceling. I, I do not have the great power of the cancellation, so I can usher in the great woke nation into. No, this is all gibberish, right? I like. Criticizing someone's takes is different. Now, criticizing Anna's takes in the past, I was criticizing a handful of takes related to, yes, uh, her insisting that this is a real issue when everyone pointing out that this isn't a real issue, birthing persons, because this only serves the right and people who are transphobes or anti-trans who want to be able to weaponize things against trans people. In this case, it's like inclusive language. And everyone told her that uh, within various circles of the left and leftist media, including a lot of fans who are also trans creators who are also adding her and being like, hey, by the way, uh, this is not not it blah 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 out of respect everyone doing that out of respect it wasn't this extreme like this one went all over the place so now we're talking about how there's a whole bunch of anti-white racism coming from the left and leftists are generalizing about white people and at the end of the day anna said that she would have done exactly what rittenhouse did uh in addition to that uh, they're mischaracterizing like other people's positions i don't know if she was mischaracterizing jenks position on that one topic because i, I haven't actually watched jenks video on it uh in terms of believing uh tim pool's fucking framing of the abortion debate uh where i was taking the exact same position as her that's pretty wild uh, you know where she's like yeah it doesn't happen to a lot i was like i know that's what i said i was actually pulling up the stats on that that it doesn't actually happen frequently that it's really weird that you would hyper focus on this tim pool being the person hyper focus on the ninth month of pregnancy uh in order to try and somehow again form a wedge like i, f I find so much of the centrists and the right wingers who have a problem uh, with a lot of civil rights issues your room. they'll counter with wedge issues to try and be like well did you hear about this LGBTQ plus organization in England that apparently wants to change the term vagina to bonus hole? I mean, I think like, you know, the whole thing has gone too far when we're willing to change vagina to bonus hole. I mean, come on, that's kind of demeaning to people with vaginas and stuff like that, right? Uh, it, it's like, what's the real, because we're talking about enacting political change and utilizing our platforms and, and the power they have. What's the real danger right now to marginalized communities? Uh, is it that there is hundreds of bills being passed predominantly by right-wing conservative Republicans, not only in America, but, you know, globally, uh, that are directly targeting the trans and broadly speaking queer community? That is what the focus should be on as long as they continue to do that. Not here's a fringe example of something happening somewhere that might be a little too PC for a lot of people to show you just how wild things have gotten, you know? Yeah, you can't even be called a woman anymore. You're only called a birthing person. I'm just a walking prostate, you know, a sentient cum vessel. Uh, that like these aren't real problems I deal with in my life every day. It's not. It's not real oppression. I, I don't wake up in the morning, leave the house, and someone's like, "Hey, cum fucking walker," and you're like, "I'm not a cum walker. I'm a man." Like you're not a man, you're a cum machine. Uh, that it's not. It's not real. But it like it would serve to to piss off people who are already already angry at trans people and against gender uh, ideology extremism and gender extremism and all this kind of stuff like it would honestly get them all like holy shit what you can't even call people woman anymore i have to call them birthing people no 
No, it's it's gone too far. It's gone every no, no, I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but this is madness. Madness, okay? No, we are not erasing what a woman is. We are not getting rid of that. I'm not being called a birthing person. None of this is like and it's like, but that's not actually happening though. The the, the activists are actually saying that they want to exist and want health care like everyone else. They don't want to be discriminated against for housing, food, that kind of shit. This 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 is not the real issue. There's there's not like the trans community is not advocating and, and demanding that the woman the word woman not be used anymore uh, and that people no longer say woman they only say birthing per that's not a thing these are all made up scenarios you know do you enjoy the serps but prefer not to have to use your eyeballs many are saying this well we've got the solution for you it's the surf times in podcast form available on most major podcasting networks now if you enjoy it, please consider leaving a good review and feedback because it really helps the show out, apparently, and it's free, just like the podcast. Thank you kindly to our Lord and Saviors, Peyton L. Just and Xander Corvus. Without you, we are nothing. And now, a shout-out to our Knights of the Square table. Amazing Flesh, Anna Loves Riley, Adrian McCarthy, DM Rivera, Doug Cady, Everything Important, Hegbard Celine, Izzy Solidarity, La Media Panza, Matthew Scarborough, Multimondi, Nettle, Omni, Peanut Butter Blonde, Political Papi, Quiet185, Rachel K, Riley and Anna, Roller Dragon, Kubi, Cernicus, Spinach Monster, Stellar Vision, Sebastian Demmel, Thomas, Trevbot EXE, Lucidry, Words Greenwood, Shell Alvarez, Tony Perkins, Thomas, O'Pecker, Travis McClinton, and Victoria Bell. Thank you so much. And a huge shout out to all the other people who make this entire show possible. Without you, it would not exist. If you can support us, please go to patreon.com slash the surfs, and even $1 can help unlock all of the little goodies and help make this show entirely possible. 